This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, Another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the number one fantasy hockey podcast in the whole entire world, hosted by two guys who have spent all weekend organizing 19 couple slow drafts, and they're a little bit tired, but they're still going to try their best to put on a good show. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, with me, as always, the fantasy hockey robot, Brian Kong. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. What a crazy entrance for what a crazy couple days it's been since our couple slow drafts started uh, on Saturday at noon Eastern time. Holy cow, has it been a roller coaster? Like you said, Elon, we have 19 divisions, 266 people drafting from at least 12 countries across four continents. And we still have a couple divisions still left to start their draft. So this is a, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Shout outs to Australia, Canada, Denmark, England, Finland, Ireland, Latvia, Norway, Russia, Slovakia, Sweden, Taiwan, and of course the United States for all uh, having some representation in our <laughs> cupful draft so far. And there might be a couple more if you're listening and I didn't uh, mention your country. Let me know. I, I enjoy this trivia. Brian loves country talk. Like anytime he sees like an iTunes review or something about our podcast or someone tweeting us saying they're like from Latvia or someplace that's not generally where we hear from, like Brian gets so excited about it. So yeah, definitely let him know. I love when we get little updates from Charitable saying we're like the number two fantasy hockey podcast in Singapore. And I'm like, who's number one? (laughs) Honestly, if you're like from Canada or the States... Don't even bother, like, reaching out to Brian. He, he, he considers you very basic and boring. <laughs> no, that is not true. <laughs> you take that back. All right, so we've got a huge show for you today. This is a yearly tradition where we go through the Yahoo rankings, which is, like, most people draft on Yahoo. That's where we, a lot of people play fantasy. And when you're drafting, most people, especially the, you know, the basics, the more casual fantasy players that might be in your league, they're going to be just using the default Yahoo sorting, which is this Yahoo rankings, and then us more advanced fantasy hockey players, <laughs> try not to sign elitist here, but, like, you could take advantage because you know, sort of, like, uh, the, the basic people might just end up drafting whoever's ranked higher rather than scrolling too far so this is a yearly show where we go through and we're going to say who we think is ranked too high and who we think is ranked too low and that should hopefully help you strategize for your drafts of thinking of players oh let me make sure to grab this guy i know he's going to fall or i might have to reach because this guy's ranked too high all that stuff so that's the plan for today's show before we get to it of course let's mention that we are presented by dauberhockey.com number one fantasy hockey website in the world they're selling the dauber guide right now which is a a staple a mainstay if you're playing fantasy 
fantasy hockey. You buy the guide. It's like not even that expensive. They have different like levels depending on what kind of features you want to get. But the best thing is that the guide is great, the PDF. Also, you could download their projections and they're like updated all throughout preseason. Brian, we've just gotten news of some dates. Like we know when the NHL is starting. I'll bet you Dauber is going to be updating his projections over and over again as more and more news comes out on players and on what's going on. So check that out at DauberHockey.com. We're very proud to be presented by them. Uh, but Brian, yeah, maybe before we get to the Yahoo stuff, we should probably share this big news. Like news, like the NHL season, it's going to start January 13th. I think the, I think we're basically official now. Yeah, January 13th is a huge potential day, assuming everything goes according to schedule, which, by the way, we got a few more details beyond the start date, just hours before recording that Elon, you and I are going to process and chew on and figure out what they mean for the cupful and fantasy hockey in general. But it's exciting to have a tangible date that we can set our sights on that also happens to be two very special people's birthdays. January 13th is also Connor McDavid's birthday and Elon Dabrowski's. Yeah. What a special day, January 13th, 2021, has the potential to be. It's going to be a fun day. I'm going to celebrate my birthday, and I'm going to cap it off by watching NHL games. And then probably it'll end up being depressing because all of my fantasy players will let me down. But uh, for the start of it, it's going to be a really fun day. By the way, one date that's very important that I should mention is that according to this, like, so- someone shared this on, on our Discord channel. I think it was Kevin. Uh, just some important dates the NHL tweeted out. The one that really jumped out at me is playoffs begin May 11th. So if you're playing fantasy and you're trying to decide who to draft in your leagues that might be injured currently, uh, you know, th- like Tyler Sagan was scheduled to be back like around the beginning of April. So now we know that if the playoffs are going to begin May 11th, that means you're going to have a whole month and maybe a bit longer of Tyler Sagan. So we'll get to him actually in this episode. But like, that's the one date that really jumps out at me aside from January 13th. Uh, but yeah, with that, like, like Brian said, maybe next week when we have a schedule and actually get a sense of like how the season's going to look, we can talk about that more. But for now, I'm ready to start going through these Yahoo rankings if you are. I am so ready. Let's find it. I mean, usually, you know, everyone's waiting for the Yahoo mock drafts to start, but we don't have to wait to mock Yahoo. Ah, very yeah. good. Yeah. So Yahoo, by the way, spoiler, they love the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we'll get to that. So let me like, give you a sense of like what we're going to do here. I made a spreadsheet, okay, where basically I've got all the players ranked by their Yahoo ranking. Then what I did, if you recall, Brian, the patrons of Keeping Carlson, we had a fun project where we crowdsourced projections. We got the patrons to come up with goals, assists, points, and power play point projections for a whole bunch of players. So that means that now I have projections, plus for the other stats like hits and blocks and things like that, I just use some average rankings from previous years to get a sense of like what players will do in those peripheral categories. So I've been able to calculate a ranking of players based on our projections, and that's what we're going to compare to the Yahoo rankings. And I'm going to be pointing out which players like have a very different ranking on Yahoo compared to our patron projections. I'm using the Cupful scoring format. So when I reference like we have this defenseman ranked second or ranked eighth or whatever, uh, so that's that's for our scoring format, which is 4.5 points for a goal, three for an assist, 0.5 for a shot, 0.5 for a block, and 0.25 for a hit. Basically, it's mostly offense, but also a nice bonus for shots on goals and blocks, and then a decent enough bonus for hits. That's just something to keep in mind as we go through this. But Brian, okay, with that, let's get started. Kind of a shocker right at the Yahoo number one. I would have expected it to be like McDavid or Dreisaitl, like one of these people that, you know, won the Art Ross last year, was the most valuable, like McKinnon. But no, it's actually Nikita Kucherov, ranked number one on Yahoo. Got to imagine they were just excited to watch Tampa Bay win the Stanley Cup. So the Kucherov's like the most recent superstar they've watched on their TV. So that's why they decided Kucherov is ranked the number one. We've done a bunch of a couple drafts. I don't think Kucherov was ranked number one in any of them. So as much as I love Nikita Kucherov, uh, I think that's crazy 
that he's ranked at number one. According to our projections, like the projections by the patrons, uh, he's the ninth uh, forward in terms of cupful scoring, like with guys like McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews, Eichel, Pasternak, though that's not accounting for the fact that he's injured, uh, Ovi, Drysettle, even Zabanejad ahead of Kucherov, mainly because Zabanejad with all those shots on goal, you know, that's the thing with these peripherals. You've got to really know your league uh, settings. Like Kucherov's amazing. We haven't projected for over 100 points, but he just doesn't take 300 plus shots like a lot of these other guys we talked about. He's more of like a 250 shot guy. So I like Kucherov. Don't get me wrong. He might even have, we talked about on our last patron cast, he might have a really nice schedule. The rumored divisions have him in a division like with Tampa Bay with Detroit, Chicago, and Florida, which should be some very tasty games. But all that said, come on, Yahoo. Like Kucherov shouldn't be number one. Yeah, that's a really surprising. Like that's a that's a real hot take for Yahoo to have straight up at number one, putting Kucherov there. You mentioned Elon, where our patron projections have Kucherov ranked in our cup full slow draft so far. Kucherov actually still has managed to have the fourth highest ADP going on average uh, in the fifth round. Or sorry, with the fifth pick overall. So going higher than his patron projection poll rankings, but not as high as Yahoo. I don't think he's been picked first in any league. In fact, I'm not sure he's been in the, he's been picked in the top three in any league and for good reason. I mean, of course the guy's a superstar and it's hard to like want to bash him at all, right? Three seasons in a row with 100 plus point paces, including that monster season in 1819 with 128 points where he had 48 power play points. The season before he had 36 power play points, these crazy, crazy power play totals. And then last season, uh, I, he actually took a bit of a step back, uh, at, like both in power play points and also in time on ice is where it really caught my eye. After seasons where he pays for 94, 103, and 128 points, he actually lost a minute of ice time per night. And that was coming at five on five. And we did see Tampa sort of play around with how often they rolled each line and sort of like it felt like it was part of this transition that happened the year they got swept by Columbus where they're like, okay, maybe we can't go all out every night. Maybe that's a waste of our time. Uh, we know we're, we have a pretty good chance of winning, even if Kucherov and Vasilevsky and like our stars aren't worked to the bone or aren't played as much as we need them to play. And so I think they managed his workload a little bit more and that obviously limits his ceiling to some extent. You know, I don't see him getting uh, up above 125 points again if he's playing less than 19 minutes a night. So uh, I guess I'm going on too long because this is a pretty obvious take that Nikita Kucherov at number one is not a good pick. This just means if you're in a Yahoo league, you better show up to make your first pick or else you're going to be very disappointed Mm. with your auto draft in Nikita Kucherov. Maybe very disappointed is a stretch, but uh, like Yahoo's giving him this Stanley Cup champion bump or something that I don't think I've seen before. This must be the only place where he's actually projected to be the top ranked fantasy player this season. Yeah, I mean, if you end up auto-drafting Kucherov, like, it's definitely not the end of the world. If I had, like, fourth pick or whatever, I'd be happy to get him. So, yeah, but it's interesting. Brian, you bring up a good point, right? Because Tampa Bay, they brought in some reinforcements at the trade deadline. Remember, they got Barkley Goudreau, they got Blake Coleman, so they have a pretty solid third line, so they don't need to run those top two lines, and that's going to probably continue into next season. Both of those guys are still in the picture. They tried to waive Tyler Johnson, but no one wanted him, so he's back. You know, Sorelli, Point, Gourd, like, Killorn, like, they, Pat Maroon, I think, is still 
still around. He signed for another year. So Tampa Bay, yeah, doesn't need to just run their top line all the time. So it makes sense that maybe they're not going to have the most upside. Un- unlike a team like Edmonton, you know, who like the, just McDavid and Drysaddle are basically always on the ice. One of them's always out there. All right. So speaking of Tampa's love affair with the Tampa Bay Lightning, so I scroll down the list. You know, next comes McDavid. Next comes McKinnon. Like ba- Drysaddle, Panarin. Like it's all Matthews. Like basic names that you'd expect. Then over at number uh, twelve, Braden Point comes in. So that's ahead of guys like, you know, Sidney Crosby and uh, Mika Zibanejad. Like, it's uh, pretty high for Braden Point at number 12. And, like, the patrons, you know, like, they were generous. Like, they, they projected him for 88 points, which I think is, like, very good. Like, 34 goals and 88 points. It's not as if we, I could say that the patrons, like, aren't as into Braden Point. As, I think that would be a, a great season for him, a bounce back, because he had that amazing playoffs. But don't forget, he had less than a point per game this year. Uh, but even with that 88-point projection, that still only has him 28th for forwards in the couple scoring format. Again, because he just doesn't have as many shots on goal and some of these peripherals that some of the other guys do. So, yeah, considering that Yahoo has him ranked 10th for forwards and we have him ranked 28th for forwards, uh, Yahoo clearly just loves the Tampa Bay Lightning and definitely let someone else take Braden Point in the first round of your draft. Yeah, this seems like it was more of a defensible take going into last season when he was on that 95-point pace in what was a true breakout season at age 22 or 23. Uh, And of course, 35 power play points was incredible. But again, like Kucherov, he took a hit on that power play, which which ate into his numbers, uh, unfortunately. But uh, whether it did or didn't really is not the reason (laughs) to decide to, to draft Braden Point as high as Yahoo is suggesting. Elon, you mentioned he was down around 28th, according to our patron rankings. Um, Braden Point is going, on average, uh, 13th overall in our Cup, cup full draft so far, uh, which slots him in is with the 26th highest ADP, which, by the way, we have 26 different players named as being a first-round pick, and it just shows how crazy, uh, like, it's pretty flat how how many options there are through the first round that you could go with. Uh, but Braden Point is an okay one, but he's not someone I'm going to jump up and grab and seems like another guy who's gotten this this odd kind of bump just because Tampa won the Stanley Cup, which isn't known for being a thing that helps a player's fantasy value. Yeah. Also, I'm just going to add in, because I've mentioned the Tampa power play twice uh, already this episode and how it affected Point and Kucherov. Uh, Point's IPP on the power play last year was way like was not great, but it also um, was in line with his career numbers. Whereas, I don't know if you remember, Elon, the season before was that season where he shot almost 40% on the power play. And so we expected to see some regression. And essentially we said, look, if he can uh, grow to keep up with that 95 point pace without that, those power play points, that would be a really impressive season for point to have last season. He didn't hit that mark. They still hope he will this year at the age of 24. But uh, yeah, that 95 point season was still kind of based on some aberrational business that happened. I think maybe he could still have a little more success on the power play than he did last year, but I honestly think last year's power play uh, success where he had, let's see, 13 points over 64 games was like maybe a little low. I'd still expect him to break 20 points, but 35 would be expecting a lot. And that's the only way I think that he gets up above 90 points. 
Yeah, and like I said, the patrons have him projected for 88 points, and he's still the 28th ranked forward again because of these peripherals. Like I'm saying, like you know, guys that Yahoo has lower than point that I'd want ahead are like Stamco. Though maybe Stamkos because he has this like injury concerns. So maybe I don't know. I, I could defend not Stamkos, but like Malkin, Gensel, Aho, Line, like Pedersen. I take all these guys over Braden Point personally. Brady Kachuk, by the way, is someone who ranks super high in the couple just because he like is a monster for hits, a monster for shots, and. You know, he didn't score that many goals last year. And you, we've talked at length about how maybe he had a low shooting percentage that could bounce back next season. So he's a, he's a guy also I'd even take over Braden Point in our format. If it was a points-only league, obviously I would take Braden Point. Anyway, okay, so uh, I'm going to complete the trio of Tampa guys I think Yahoo has too high because they've got as the number one defenseman, 11th overall, Victor Hedman. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like Yahoo totally blew it. Hedman's also awesome. Uh, we have him ranked fourth using the PPP projections. Uh, but it seems to me like he'd be making a bit of a mistake if you took Hedman over like John Carlson, Roman Yosi, or Dougie Hamilton in most formats. Those are the guys who we have ranked ahead. And speaking of Dougie Hamilton, our projections have him ranked as the top defenseman. Like, people forget, like, uh, obviously last year it ended up being the story of Carlson and Roman Yosi in terms of fantasy value, and then also of obviously Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr for like straight up points. Well, and Carlson and Yosi, but you know, those are like the four guys that really were talked about a lot by the end of the year for defensemen. But Dougie Hamilton was on fire before getting injured, and in like a fantasy league where you're counting shots and you're counting hits, like Hamilton's a really high volume shooting defenseman, and he was finally breaking out, getting on the top power play. If you recall, Brian, the year before was Justin Falk on the top power play on Carolina. So Hamilton just earned that top power play spot this year. He ran with it before he got hurt. Uh, The patrons have him pegged for... 20 goals and 64 points on average and he's like a you know 300 shot on goal guy that's what he's been pacing for over the past couple of years 100 plus hits so yeah uh dougie hamilton uh, who oh, i haven't even mentioned on yahoo they have him ranked oh no i didn't write that down here Where, where's yeah where's uh hamilton ranked on yahoo definitely a lot lower than number one for defense okay here it is they have him ranked as the sixth defenseman 43rd overall right. so uh i think dougie hamilton if you could get him in like the third round or whatever that yahoo was projecting that, that that's a steal i'm really high on him for the next season for sure. I don't see a whole lot of reason to dislike Dougie Hamilton, other than that we haven't seen him do what he was doing in Carolina for a full season, right? He had 70-point pace, which was amazing. You mentioned the season before, Justin Falk was the power play one quarterback, which held Hamilton's point totals back. Um, this year, he w- he had already gotten five more power play points in 47 games than he had in the previous season in 82 games. So, like, that is the difference, right? I also don't have any doubts. I don't want to position this like I have any doubts that Hamilton can keep up what he was able to do in the first season that he was handed the keys in Carolina to the top power play. And just to like be unleashed and be Dougie, he actually kept his uh, even strength numbers pretty consistent from year to year. Like we didn't see anything new. This is just the fruits of getting that extra power play time. And he is a good enough player that we can count on him to keep doing that. I don't see that that was a product of any big luck. So yeah, I would prefer him to Victor Hedman, who, let's remember, by the way, like Hedman is a great pick, but he has this flag where uh, in the last five or 10 games of the season, he was off the top power play in Tampa. And you're like, oh, well, that's fine. He was back in there, uh, you know, for the Stanley Cup. And that's what matters. Uh, yeah, eventually he spent like the first 15 games of the return to play still not on the top power play. He only jumped back on there full time uh, about partway through the series against the Islanders, which was the 
conference finals before uh, he continued quarterbacking the top power play again in the finals against Dallas. So just saying, you generally like. I am not sure what I'm going to do if the best defenseman on my list remaining is Victor Hedman for my next pick in the cupful. Uh, I like the guy and I have a lot of faith in him and I think he's still going to be the top power play quarterback, but you don't want to draft a guy who finds himself off that unit even for 10 or 15 games. It's concerning. Well, yes and no, just because like uh, like you said, at the end of last season, he was off the top power play. But if you look at his game log, it didn't stop him from like getting yeah. a ton of points. So yeah. it's like, on in general, I know we like to say like grab players who are on the top power play because that's gonna give them a better chance of getting points. But Victor Hedman, and like in the playoffs, when you bring up that he was off the top power play for a little bit, didn't stop him from getting 22 points in 25 games. Yeah. So obviously he's a beast and is capable of getting points at even strength or from the second power play. Like when he's on the ice, he's, he's a good bet to get points. So that's Yeah, good. the good news with Victor Hedman is he's, well... I I don't know. Actually, I I was going to say he's never been so reliant, but he has been. Like, he's had, uh, on average, about 25 power play points a season for the two years prior to this one. And that would have, like, without that, that would knock him down to, like, a 45-point player. So, I mean, we're not saying that he's going to lose the role for the entire year. But if he loses it for, like, a third of it... Uh, that is, uh, like, that takes him down from someone who has upside for 70 points to someone who's like, hmm, 55, 60 would be good. Yeah, I think he's still a good bet for 60 uh, either way. Like, I don't think he'll be off the top power play all season. Also, I don't think Sergachev, like, yeah. I think it's maybe they just, like, think, sort of put out matchups or maybe, like, one player is more look, rested. All yeah. I'm saying is that there's a flag on him that yeah. didn't used to be there. And so there's this extra layer to think about. And so Definitely. when Yahoo is ranking him as their number one defenseman, uh, that is a reason to not rank him as your number one defenseman. You want your number one guy at a position to have zero flags, zero reasons to have that seed of doubt in your mind when you hit draft during your draft. And Victor Hedman has that one that, yes, I still think he's probably going to hit 60. It shouldn't be a problem and has the upside for 70. But I don't want to worry. Yeah, I don't even know if he has the upside for 70. He seems like a really solid bet for like a 60, 65 point guy. And yeah, that's good for fourth overall D. But like you said, yeah, obviously like John Carlson doesn't have to worry about Justin Schultz eating into his power play time. Dougie Hamilton doesn't have to worry about, I don't know, Jake Gardner, or like Jake Bean. Uh, I don't even know who would challenge. Your boy, du- Jacob Slavin. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, who, who's Jacob the Slavin. who's the challenger for Roman Yosi? I guess Ryan Ellis. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So yeah, for sure, that's, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, okay, so obviously when I'm working down the list here of Yahoo's rankings, so a lot of the guys at the top are going to be players who we think they have ranked too high, and then by the end we're going to be giving kind of like sleepers, like players who Yahoo has ranked super like low, like some people like above a thousand that I think might be worth looking at. But we're still at guys who I think are too high. So these are players we like, but I'm going to say a guy who I think is too high. Miko Rantanen, Yahoo has him ranked at 14th overall, which makes him the 12th forward overall. The patrons gave him, just like point, like a very healthy 85-point pace projection. So it's not as if our projections are expecting him to take a big hit or anything, but even with that, that makes him the 26th forward overall. And again, like a lot of these people with Miko Rantanen, he's just, you know... He's like, you know, he's averaging like around 200 shots a season, you know, and like less than a hit a game. So it's just like a big difference between some of these guys who are ranked after him who are more like 300 plus shots. So obviously, again, it depends on your format. But Miko Rantanen, again, in the first round, you know, 12th forward and the couple that would put him right at the end of the round. There's other guys after him that I would definitely want more. So uh, Rantanen, a bit too high for me. Agreed. And he's also another guy like... uh 
Nikita Kucherov, who got a, who saw a bit of a cut in his ice time last season. He lost 80 seconds a night at even strength. And actually, at even strength, you, you look at his last two seasons, the, the most recent one, 80-point pace for Ranton, and the one before, 96-point pace. That was his huge breakout year. Everything looks pretty similar, except that ice time. That's a big deal, uh, especially if you want your guy to score 96 points in the season. So um, for Rantanen, it, like, that would be a reason to not want him. They lost 80 seconds of ice per night last year. Although, as an owner of him, I had my frustrations, um, and it felt like there were times where he was injured and wasn't being played as much as he could have been played, and it wasn't necessarily the same situation in Tampa where they were just trying to roll more lines, although Colorado did take pressure off that top line last year by putting together a legit second line featuring Kadri and Burakovsky when, of course, everybody was healthy. But I agree with you in general, Elon, that Renton, and especially just because those low shot counts, you've said on average a 200-shot guy, he's never actually hit that plateau in his career. He's a great shooter. He's one of those high-efficiency shooters who doesn't take a lot of shots, but he scores over 15% of the time when he does take a shot on average. So uh, he's very selective in his shooting, which is bad for your shots on goal categories and point scoring. Uh, yeah. Also, the thing with Rantanen, and again, it's not like too big of a deal, but I think of him of all the people in this like top 20, he's kind of still dependent to me on McKinnon to get a lot of points. Like if McKinnon gets injured, I think Rantanen takes a big hit. And that's always like a concern. I don't want to be drafting someone with like my first pick that like is at risk of like, obviously any, like if he gets injured, that stinks. But it sucks that also you have to be worried about another player getting injured, you know, as opposed to, you know, like a Kucherov or a, a McDavid, like it doesn't even matter if someone else gets injured on the team, they're still going to be a good bet to stick with a similar point to but I think Rantanen becomes a lot less valuable in fantasy when he's not playing with Nathan McKinnon so another thing to be a little concerned about not that he's bad but again as a first round pick you got to be like elite elite uh, another guy who I think is a bit too high and I love Mark Stone and I like that you know I honestly I appreciate that Yahoo is giving Mark Stone the respect he deserves and putting him at 26th overall because he's had an amazing career so far he's one of the best defensive forwards that also puts up a lot of points he's awesome uh, but yeah Yahoo has him at 26th overall that's the 20 first forward and the patrons who projected him for 77 points uh that with his general peripherals would rank him as a 38th forward so again a bit too high like and there's no reason to expect mark stone to like increase from being more than like an 80 point guy right like that's i think the ceiling i know he had that one like crazy year in ottawa where he was pacing for almost 100 points but though he got injured part way through who knows if he would have actually hit a total like that but ever since he's gotten to vegas he's been a pretty solid bet for like 78, 79 points. And I feel like that's just what we can continue to expect moving forward. And like Rantanen doesn't seem like he's going to be a good bet for any more than like around 200 shots. Yeah, I think I am in complete agreement with everything you just said. The season in Ottawa, he was on on pace for 90 points. Coincidentally, or not coincidentally, it's the season where he saw the most ice time. So like with these guys, I just want to like really emphasize this point with these players who put up huge numbers of points. And, you know, when they're on the ice, they're dangerous. You take them off the ice for a minute a night and it adds up, right? more so than somebody who's a 55 or 60 point guy. If they lose 60 seconds, it's obviously less of a loss if you're looking at scoring on a points per 60 basis. So of course, if they get more, it's the flip side. It's like, oh my gosh, of course, if they're capable of continuing to score while getting those extra minutes. But yeah, I don't see much reason, especially the way that Vegas likes to roll their top two lines. I don't see... and. Potentially, they have a third line worth rolling this year, too, with Cody Glass and Alex Tuck taking, uh, hopefully, another step forward each. I don't see reason to expect much more than 80 for Mark Stone, but that's also something you can pretty much set your watch to, which has some value there, too. 
Yeah, for sure. He's like a really dependable guy. And if I could get him in like the third round, like, you know, I'd be happier, like the end of the second round. But again, at like 26th overall, there's a lot of good guys you can take, including these next couple of guys who I'm going to flip it around now and give some players who I think are good value where they're ranked. And first is like Jake Gensel, who's a couple picks after Stone. Uh, Yahoo has him ranked 28th. Uh, the patrons have him ranked as the 14th forward with an 86 point pace. So it's a similar point pace to Rantanen, except a lot more points because he's got like a lot of shots on goal a lot of hits like he's helping you in your peripherals plus he seems like a good bet to be over a point per game he, just like Hamilton right he was crushing it last season before he got injured he and Sidney Crosby have great chemistry when Crosby's hurt he and Malkin have great chemistry like it Gensel like you know how I said like Ranson's dependent on having a good center and who knows we haven't seen Gensel not with one but at least when Crosby gets injured then Gensel gets to play with Malkin and vice versa so it would take two injuries for us to start worrying about Gensel's value and even still I wonder if he's so good that maybe he's earned to not be worried but regardless Gensel's awesome and I think if like people are just following the Yahoo rankings and they're grabbing guys like Mark Stone and Mark Shifley like you could be like all right I'm gonna take Gensel and I'll bet you he's gonna get you a ton more fantasy points especially especially in a multi-category league that counts as hits. Yeah, and he took a huge other step last year. Gensel, of course, had that 76-point season in 18-19. We're like, oh, can he do it again? And we were like, well, he shot really, really well, uh, five-on-five and overall, over 17%. Uh, the prior year, he'd shot 10% at even strength. The prior year, in his first 40 NHL games, he shot over 21% when he all wowed us in his debut with 33 points in 40 games for a 68-point pace. Then he took a step back as a sophomore, broke out in his third year, and then built on that in his fourth year last season, pacing for 90 points while shooting uh, 14% at five on five. And Gensel, on the whole, shot 16% and for the first time found himself getting uh, pretty much full-time top power play unit duties, which was really nice to see. And that was a function of Phil Kessel leaving. I don't see that changing. And like you said, Elon, the way he shoots, the way he hits, uh, those are things that get rewarded in the Cupful and a lot of leagues. So he has some extra category filling value there. Jake Gensel is underrated on Yahoo. It was actually like, as I've been watching the Cupful drafts go and seeing his name pop up and, and you know, who's been drafted, there's still this piece of me that I, like, I'm not used to seeing it, but I also can't argue with it. I think Gensel deserves to be picked in the top two rounds in a league that does put a lot of value on shots and hits. Yeah, and honestly, oh, by the way, I should say, the Cupful is the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. It's the league that we run. I don't know if we actually said that. We've just been saying this acronym. (laughs) Okay. Also, I want to thank John Newhold for giving me a sheet of all the Yahoo rankings in a spreadsheet, which helped me build my spreadsheet. Otherwise, I don't even know how I would have gotten this because Yahoo doesn't have a way to download it. So yeah, some thanks there. Okay, another guy just like Gensel, actually a very similar player in fantasy, like a winger that gets a lot of shots and a lot of hits. And I think Yahoo has underrated at this point is Patrick Laine, who was ranked at 31st on Yahoo. The patron have him as a 17th ranked forward. They projected him for 77 points, uh, along with even more. Shot, well, I mean, the Patriots didn't rank shots on goals and hits, but like generally, Line A has more shots than Gensel, more hits than Gensel. So even though he's been projected for a few fewer points overall, his fantasy value is pretty similar and definitely at 31st overall. Like Line A is someone who, yeah, he had that weird year last year. Like he was, he pays for 76 points. I don't think people realize that Line A had a really nice bounce back year. He still hasn't gotten towards that 50 goals that we thought he might be capable of after his first couple of years, but that might still be coming. And even if he's just as good as he was last year, 
he's still better than 31st overall in a lot of fantasy formats. Plus, there's some reason to be excited for next year to be better, mainly that, as we recall, Winnipeg had some injuries. They didn't really have a second-line center by the end. Like, Wheeler went there for a bit. By the end, line A was being centered by Cody Eakin. Now they've got Paul Stasny locked in, which I think should help him. And so, yeah, just like, yeah, when people are taking other guys, you take Gensel or Line A in your third round and you're laughing. Absolutely. A lot of uh, cupful drafters are taking them in the first round. They both have ADPs. Uh, That means they were drafted on average 13th overall, uh, as was Braden Point for what that's worth, who we mentioned closer to the top of the show. Um, But the thing with Liney and the reason why I think he might fall, and I don't know if Yahoo, I have no idea how Yahoo compiles their rankings. We have this discussion every year. It's like, I don't know what black box or one person they use uh, to figure out who ranks where. But Patrick Liney uh, is really somebody who I think a lot of drafters and managers are biased against just because of the way expectations have ebbed and flowed for him during his career. Of course, as a rookie, came in like gangbusters, 36 goals as a rookie, 44 goals in his sophomore season, and then took that huge step back after having two seasons with a 70-point pace and an 18% shooting percentage, took that huge step back uh, not uh, with just a 50-point pace. Uh, he had 30 goals, which had been a career low for him at that point, and a minus 24. And the story, of course, was also that he didn't get that deployment bump that we were all like, how can you not? give Patrick Liney more ice time uh, because he's his burgeoning breakout star. Uh, He just showed himself to be really a a huge defensive liability and someone that a coach couldn't trust to put out there. And so Paul Maurice didn't put him out there. So it was very refreshing in 2019-20 to see Patrick Liney play 19 and a half minutes a night, which was two minutes more than he'd ever played before. And his previous career high was actually in his rookie season. And the interesting part about Liney is that we've looked at his shooting percentages and wondered if they were sustainable at the start of his career. I mentioned that 18% shooting percentage he had in all situations. Last couple seasons, 12% shooting percentage. But the fact that he still managed uh, 76 point pace and was uh, on pace to easily break 30 goals, probably hit 35 goals, uh, is a really great sign that we don't need to rely on this weird spike in shooting percentage or what might have been a spike in shooting percentage. If Patrick Liney gets the ice time and gets the power play time, he's going to be just fine. And I think if it weren't for the crazy expectations and hype that he'd set for himself in those first two years, he would be ranked a lot higher across a lot of draft boards. And a lot of people just aren't ready to forgive him for that really bad third season. Yeah, and it was only like a really bad like few months at the end of that season. He started crazy in that year also. Yeah. It's also yeah. interesting to point out that, Brian, like you say, that even if he like settles in at a 12% shooting percentage, then he's still able to get you like 30, 35 goals. But also another way to look at it is that he's shown that maybe he is going to at some point have another big year where yeah. he gets back to 18 shooting percentage, which isn't sustainable. But if he could hold that for a couple of months, maybe all of a sudden we're looking at a 50-goal season, which then obviously the following year we'd be doing our projections saying we don't think he's going to be able to do it again. Again, but he's someone who has that upside if he gets a bit of shooting luck. So I love Line A way down at 31st. Yeah, a lot of a lot of managers were burned by him in 1819. Like he was going in the first round of drafts, second round at the latest. People were didn't even feel like they were reaching. They're like, oh, this guy's 50 goals, 90 points easy. And I mean, we were on that train to some extent too. Uh it's time to forgive Patrick Liney for whatever he might have done for you to you that season and count on him for uh 
35 goals, 80 points. And like you said, Elon, that might just be a starting point. There, there's still that unknown upside that he could do even better. Yeah. And keep in mind, like, uh, Danny in the chat here is saying maybe line A is not going to have an increase. He's giving some reasons. Like, he was more on the top line last year. Like, the patrons only projected him for 77 points, which is similar to what he did last year. And that still ranks him as a 17th ranked forward with his peripherals. And Yahoo, again, I said, has him as 31st. So, like, I'm, we're giving reasons why maybe there's reason for more. But even if he just is the same as last year, that still means Yahoo is underrating him. And also remember, he's a hitter and a shooter. So the yeah. fact, like, if he just gets, like you're saying, his ice time might get cut, which would be unfortunate. And you'd expect his hits and shots to be affected commensurately. But if they don't, uh, every extra 30 seconds or a few shifts that Liney gets on the ice, it could really just keep getting you points via hits and shots. So, like, I'm seeing the glass half full here. But I, I agree that... Uh, that maybe maybe there's reason. Maybe I'm I don't know. Now I'm now I'm all feeling very self conscious about being <laughs> so excited about Patrick Liney after one comment in the chat. I mean, I think that you gave some reasons why he could do better. I think he'll probably be around the same, which would be fine. Yeah. Or maybe even a little lower. Still good. Okay. Uh, one guy who's not a hitter or a shooter, but is ranked right around Patrick Liney is Tavo Teravainen, who's 36th on mm-hmm. Yahoo, so the 29th forward. And he's good. Like, the patrons projected him for 78 points. That's not nothing. Both his, his peripherals, that still put him as the 54th forward in our projections for the Cupful when, like I said, Yahoo has him at 36th and the 29th forward. So uh, do yourself a favor. And when you're looking at Tara Vinen at the top of your list, maybe go for one of the guys ahead of him, like a Matthew Kachuk or a Steven Stamkos, who's ranked at 39th, who like, holy cow, like, I'm not even going to ask you to talk about Tara Vinen. I feel like he's a really solid bet for like 75 80 points like and not many peripherals so like that he's just ranked too high in a multi-category for a points only league maybe he's in the right spot but steven stamkos at 39th like i know he underwent a surgical procedure to repair a left-sided lower abdominal core muscle injury after the playoffs and i think that's why some people are fading him a little bit in drafts and letting him fall because they're worried but i see a tweet that is linked from roto world the last thing about stamkos by uh, joe smith and here's a quote Team expects Stamkos will make a full recovery prior to the start of next season. So I haven't heard anything since. So my understanding is he's fine. Maybe he's not. Maybe like before your draft, do a final check for the latest news on Steven Stamkos. But assuming he's healthy, that's too crazy. Like 39th, like this guy could be a first round pick, right? He like is good, like amazing for shots. He's above a point per game almost for sure. You know, playing with Kucherov, like how could he not be? Like uh, he's Steven Stamkos, come on. Yeah, above a point per game is putting it lightly 90 points or higher in each of his last four seasons, the range being between 90 and a 98-point pace. This is a guy who had a really strong start to his career, and there's a bit of a valley for a few seasons where we weren't sure what to make of him. But in 1617, uh, well, actually, Stamkos missed a huge chunk of the season, but started with 20 points in 17 games. And then he actually did continue being outstanding. 1718, then 1819, then 1920. So yeah, Stamkos is another guy who I feel like hasn't quite recovered from failing a lot of people's expectations once upon a time, but he's been doing what he's doing in a way that seems sustainable enough that uh, it's long past due to forgive him. And uh, anybody still holding a grudge or like, I guess the injury thing is reason to be concerned. Like that, that would be a reason to worry. Like if he comes back and it takes some time for him to get up to speed, it's a short season, 56 games. If he's finding his legs for 15 or 20 games of that, uh, that could be really harmful for your fantasy team, depending on the format of your league and how long you can 
afford to suck with Stamkos on your roster. So that would be a flag to consider when drafting him. But a fully healthy Stamkos is should be a fully amazing Stamkos who's capable of at least 90 points, huge power play contributions, as you mentioned, Elon, huge shot totals too. So yeah, I am a, a big fan at reaching, quote unquote, for Steven Stamkos in your Yahoo draft when he's ranked 39th there. Yeah, and I mean, I disagree with you about how, like, I don't know, like, Yahoo potentially, like, ha- uh, you know, dinging him because he had a couple bad seasons, like, three years ago. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure last year he was ranked a lot higher. I think it's mainly because of the injury concern. And Shams brings up a good point in the chat. Like, he's just concerned because not only, like, he may even not need to get his legs under him, but maybe he's a bigger risk for injury. Maybe he's, like, an Evgeny Malkin or someone at this point who you have to, or yeah. Bergeron. You know, you're a little bit worried that he might not be durable enough to, you know, stick around the whole season. So that's, you know, so you're taking a bit of a risk but you have a big reward if he does play correct me if i'm wrong elon but i i wonder if the way shams is feeling is also connected to like how cloudy like if i'm remembering this right it was always murky where Stamkos' health was. Like, I remember drafting for a Keeping Carlson playoff pools, and every round it was like, oh, should I draft Stamkos? Oh, is Stamkos healthy now? And it just didn't feel like we were ever really getting clear info about where he was in his recovery. Then, of course, he came back, played like four minutes in that one game, scored a goal, which was really exciting, but might have set him back again. So just never ha- like it's been a long time since we've had a clear sense of how healthy Steven Stamkos is and I understand why that might linger on the mind of some people who have him at the top of their list when it's their turn to pick yeah so uh I don't know we can't predict what's going to happen with his health obviously if you have some time before you're drafting a couple they're drafting now so he's already been drafted you just got to hope for the best hopefully we'll get some more news as the season approaches about his status before you draft and if not I don't know. You have to decide if you want to roll the dice. Like I said, big risk, maybe potential. Not big risk. I'd say moderate risk, huge reward. So you got to weigh that against whoever else is available. I definitely take him over Tavo Teravainen for what it's worth with a couple scoring format. Okay, so back to looking at peripherals. I've got a couple Canucks here. This one, I'm ready to potentially get some hate mail. So you could tweet at me at uh, Brian Com if you have any concerns with what I'm about to say. But Quinn Hughes is ranked as the fifth D on Yahoo!, and the patrons have him ranked as the 18th ranked D-man using Cupful scoring. And that's with a 66-point projection. And so I guess, Brian, you could let me know if you think maybe the patrons are being too low on him with only 66 points. But, like, really, like, what kind of – what are we expecting from this guy? Like, a 90 points or something? Like, he's amazing. He's I think he's a good bet for, like, even 70 points. I'd be taking the over on 66. But – like the guy, unfortunately for Quinn Hughes, like his peripherals were really bad last year. Like we're talking, he paced for 150 shots, eight hits, only 55 blocks. Most defensemen are like at least over a block per game. And like with these projections where I say I gave him uh, 18th, 18th ranked defenseman, that's even giving him like a bonus. Like we have, I put him here for like 178 shots, 43 hits, 85 blocks. Even with that and a 66-point projection, he's still not ranking high because our scoring format gives a lot of weight to shots and hits and blocks, right? So the points aren't everything. Plus, a lot of his points come from assists, which we rank lower than goals. So obviously, this really depends on your scoring format. Again, in a points-only league, I'm totally cool with grabbing Quinn Hughes as the fifth defenseman. But if you have a multi-category league, let someone else take him because he's he's like below replacement in a lot of these categories outside of points. For sure. I would happily trade off 10 points and take a 55-point defenseman who has healthier peripherals uh, over Quinn Hughes. And again, this is not to make any Canucks fans mad. We totally respect and appreciate all that he can do offensively, and that is his bread and butter. And like, 
Elon, I know you didn't mean to frame it this way, but you said his peripherals were bad. They're bad for fantasy. This is the game that Quinn Hughes plays and it works for him. And that's fantastic. But for your fantasy team, it's not so fantastic. We also talked about Elias Pedersen uh, a couple shows back and how, uh, like where we were setting our expectations for him. And I sort of aired the concern that he's been so good. How much better can he be? And of course, the answer is he can be better. But how much room for growth is there? So for me, I would be, if I'm looking at drafting Quinn Hughes and seeing no peripherals, I'd be like, okay, if he's above 70 points or 75, that would be incredible and maybe give me a little more reason to draft him. Except I just don't know that that upside is there this season or in the future. Like, let's continue seeing what Quinn Hughes has to offer. But his 64-point pace last year was a great benchmark, and I'm not deviating very far from it in trying to project how many points he's going to get. So yeah, I would rather take a more peripherals-rich player, or to phrase another way, a less peripherals-poor player <laughs> yeah. with a few fewer points than Quinn Hughes instead of Quinn Hughes. And I actually think Quinn Hughes is going to like do me a really great service in a lot of drafts where someone will go and grab him instead of the defenseman that I would rather have. Um, so yeah, let someone else take Quinn Hughes if your league considers uh, hits and blocks and shots important. Yeah, like I mean, I would take Dougie Hamilton ahead of Quinn Hughes in the cupful format and Yahoo would tell you to take Quinn Hughes. So just saying, and hey, like maybe he has room to grow with his peripherals. Like it was only his rookie year. Maybe he'll like, you know, get more comfortable. Maybe like step in front of more shots. Like Eric Carlson always comes to mind because he like was always just a guy who got, you know, regular blocks. Like he wasn't as low as like Quinn Hughes. But then remember that one random season where he like yeah, that- almost led the league in blocks? <laughs> yeah, that one random season. And that was it. There were, well, there were two where he had uh, 175 blocks, one, and he was pacing for over 200 in the next, in the season after that. That's great, but uh, he never should have been doing that. Well, of course. I'm just saying that I don't want to just like read it and say because this is what Quinn Hughes did in his rookie season for peripherals. That's like what to expect moving forward. Like theoretically, he could change up his game, but like I wouldn't expect it. And I wouldn't expect it to like double. Yeah. And I don't think Eric Carlson was ever putting up like was like Quinn Hughes is even lower than Eric Carlson's normal before those two aberrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, another yeah, yeah, Canuck. Yeah. Another Canuck that I'll say is too high. I think it's Brock Besser who comes soon after. He's ranked at forty fifth, which I think would be a huge swing that I personally wouldn't take because right after Brock Besser in the Yahoo rankings are Max Pacioretty, Taylor Hall, J.T. Miller. Those are three guys ranked right after Besser that I'm going to take over Besser because Besser, like, there's upside, right? Like Toffoli's gone. He should get his spot back with Elias Pettersson on the top line and top power play on Vancouver, but. Even if he does, like, if he does that, like, you know, best case scenario, maybe he can get you, like, a 70-point season. But there's also a risk. Like, there were times when he was down on the third line last year, and there were times when he was also injured. So you have to be a little bit concerned about that. So it's just, like, again, like, Besser could be a good reach at some point. I'm surprised Yahoo has him so high. I was thinking of him as a potential sleeper for this year if people are going to be thinking of him based on what he gave last year, because I think he has more to give. But Yahoo's already giving him a big bump up beyond, I think, what he deserves, especially when you could have a Taylor Hall or a Max Pacioretty right afterwards who are, we don't have to worry really about what lines they're going to be on. Plus, they're, like, huge for peripherals. So, yeah, Besser, sorry, too high. But uh, Pacioretty and Hall? Too low, I would say. So uh, <laughs> definitely go for one of those guys because they're the patrons have them projected to rank in like the early twenties, well ahead of Yahoo's like thirty four and thirty five. Yeah. So I guess I'll start by just talking about Besser quickly. 
Uh, we talked about Pacioretty recently and how he had that incredible, incredible season where he set career highs in several of, like, of the most important and exciting offensive metrics. Like his shots on goal were insane, like nothing he's ever done before coming out. I said I was going to talk about Besser first, and here I am talking about Pacioretty. But no, I, I believe in Pacioretty. I believe in Taylor Hall. Brock Besser has a couple red flags. And the biggest one, of course, is how he was treated uh, by his coach last year. A really great way to visualize uh, a player's deployment over the course of the season is if you head on over to HockeyViz.com. No surprise, HockeyViz has great visualizations. But last year, Besser was getting his normal, like, top-line deployment and then about around about game 30 or 40, just fell off a cliff. And you're just like... why did that happen? And the reason, like, we had all kinds of reasons. We were trying to sort through what each one meant and when he'd get another shot at playing big minutes with big players. Um, but the fact that it happened and it was sort of corrected during the playoffs is just uh, concerning for me. And you have to wonder if the Canucks are going to consider doing that again. Also, uh, while I'm on HockeyViz, I'm also seeing his isolated impacts, which show how his team was affected while he was on the ice. Uh, and it wasn't great on offense. In fact, it was his worst season yet. Uh, his team did worse to the tune. I'm not going to even give the number, but his team did worse uh, by a reasonable amount offensively when he was on the ice. Uh, so that is not good for Brock Besser, and I would definitely not pick him ahead of Pacioretty and Hull. I agree with you that Yahoo has him too high. Still a very exciting player, right? He had his drooling after his sophomore year in 2018-19, where he had uh, he's pacing to break 30 goals, 67 points, was probably going to hit 250 shots or come close to it, and then uh, yeah, last season was still pretty good. It just had that deployment uh, flag, so I just don't want to end up with Besser on my roster if he's going to suddenly uh, get tons of minutes taken away and his line mates taken away too. It was painful for anyone to hang on to it for long stretches. And I just don't want to be holding the bag if, if, and when it happens again. Well, I mean, I'll take him on my roster, just not with my like third round pick, yes. especially if I have Taylor Hall available. So it's all about, you know, value over replacement and all of this. And right now I think it's just a bit too high. Like you said, uh, we have a question from Adam in the chat about Pacioretty thoughts on his horrible playoff point totals. It's worth pointing out that, yes, we ended the playoffs with eight points in 16 games. I already know Brian's answer is going to be, like, don't worry about the playoffs. It's just a weird thing. This was, like, a a weird playoffs beyond even normal playoffs. Uh, Also, like, he sort of slowed down midway through, so who knows if he had some nagging injury. Like, he only had one assist in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. So the first eight games, he had, like, seven points. The last eight games, he only had one assist. Uh, Don't forget, also, a few of those games were against Vancouver, where Thatcher Demko was, like, stopping every single shot, and then against Dallas. Uh, You know, I don't know. Like, it's not not even worth digging into it i don't think like i think like we have a big sample size of patch last year and he was awesome and obviously vegas lost in the playoffs and didn't score any goals in those last three games against uh vancouver before even getting into that dallas series so hard to read too much into that so i think that's the answer unless you want to say anything else about that um no i don't but i do just want to revisit besser really quickly i know you don't think i need to but i also uh fear i came off too negatively about him that like i gave the glass half empty version glass half full version of brock besser last season was he was on a 79 point pace with 43 points in 45 games through his first 45 games of the season and then i I wonder if i'm being too 
affected by recency bias here because uh, he finished the season with two points in 12 games. And I just remember the questions coming fast and furious to us. Can I drop Brock Besser? Can I drop Brock Besser? Uh, he did better in the playoffs, but was still sort of hit or miss uh, in terms of how often and how well he produced. Uh, but I just don't want to ignore what seemed like a pretty sustainable 80-point <laughs> pace over the first 45 games of the season. So I, I don't know what to expect, and that just makes me concerned. Okay, Brian, don't worry. The Canucks fans are nice. Uh, well, I already let... disparaged Quinn Hughes. I, well, I didn't, but I, I fear it could be taken that way. So I just want right. to a glass half full, sort of. No, I'm the Ma- wet blanket. I'm yeah, the, maybe yeah. you need to close the chat room. You're doing great, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of players to get through. By the way, the patrons uh, projected Besser on average for 66 points. That'd be good. That'd be a good season. And I'll take that. So uh, next guy I wanted to bring up, ranked uh, by Yahoo at 56, is someone who I think would be a top five guy if it wasn't for the fact that he's projected to miss a month. And that's, of course, David Pasternak. Uh, you know, like, a couple people who didn't show up to their couple drafts and they ended up auto-drafting David Pasternak because Yahoo just has the players, or, sorry, uh, Fantrax has the players ranked the way we set it up based on their couple points from last year. And obviously Pasternak was one of the top guys, even though he missed a little bit of time. Uh, so, yeah, he's like going to miss a little bit of time but if you're in a league that's like head to head or even if not and you could stash him in your IR like this guy he's going to be back he's not like out for the season and David Pasnick once he's back he's I don't see any reason why he won't be once again a top five guy in fantasy like again I looked on Roto World to see the latest update on Pasternak um the last thing I saw is that the coach Cassidy said, talking about Marshawn and Pasternak, that so they're on schedule. They may even be ahead of schedule, for all I know. And that was when Pasternak was projected to be back around mid-February. So if, let's say, he goes all the way to mid-February, then you're missing a month of Pasternak time. And again, the season's supposed to go until, like, May. So, you know, so you're still going to have February, March, April. <laughs> you know, you're still getting, like, four out of five months out of this guy. And he might even be ahead of schedule. Like, he's young. He's a beast. Like, he, he could heal. These people heal faster than you expect. Brock Besser, remember how he healed last year so quickly? Like, I'm just sure. saying. I mean, I'm just saying that, like, I would. Maybe I'm not taking David Pasternak in the top five just because you want to bump him a little bit for that injury. But if you're at the end of your first round, and especially if you're, like, confident in yourself that you're a good fantasy player and you can manage riding the waiver wire, you got this extra spot. Sometimes there's, there's always, like, some fun players at the start of the year that no one drafted. And then we're talking about keeping Carlson, like, oh my God, grab Victor Olafson right now. He's amazing. Uh, you know, so, like, Eric Gustafson the year before. So if you are confident in yourself to ride the wire and get some good replacements while you're waiting for Pasternak, it's going to be a huge boost to you. Also, if if you're in a league where like eight out of the 12 teams make the playoffs, then who even cares if you come in eighth place in the regular season because you lost some points from Pasternak being injured, you're going to have him in your fantasy playoffs and then he's going to be like a top guy in the whole league. So uh, yeah, I think ranked at 56 is crazy. I'd probably take him, I don't know, 12th, 13th at the latest. Like uh, uh, it's risky, but he's, he's going to be fine eventually. He's David Pasternak. He's amazing. Yeah, you're just making a different calculation this year on drafting someone like David Pasternak who in normal circumstances as a healthy player could be valued as the best right wing in the league for fantasy purposes definitely could be considered a top five forward but yeah that calculation is a little different when the season is so short uh, normally i would just take him and be like okay yeah i'll i'll make it through the first three or four matchups and the next 18 i'll have past neck and it'll be golden uh, you just might not have that much room to work with this season if you do get into a hole because you burned your first or second round pick on a guy who didn't play for you for a month. So that's the reason to avoid him. But I agree with you, Elon. Like he's 
I, I'm afraid that he's going to be available to me with my second round pick just because I don't want to make that decision. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather someone else decide, but my second round pick is going to be 27th overall. So if he's available, I'm probably going to just go ahead and bite the bullet and count on the rest of my draft to get me through to the point where he's healthy again. And uh, then, of course, I'll be laughing when he's healthy. And like you said, in a, in a league where most teams make the playoffs, that's an even more reason to take David Pasternak. You just need to just consider how long you can afford to suck for. <laughs> uh, and if you have enough room to make up for it, great. If you don't, then you have to be just a little extra careful or a lot extra careful if you're going to add a guy uh, who's going to be out for three to four weeks to start the season uh, as a key cog on your team. Yeah, and maybe. But again, I, I don't know. I have this feeling Projected. that we're going to get... Yeah. What's, what's your feeling? Well, Bruce Cassidy said that he thinks they're ahead of schedule. I've seen other times Pasternak's been injured and he's come back ahead of schedule. I just... I don't know. We'll see. Like, I, I'll bet you... I'd be willing to bet you that there's going to be some update on him before the season starts. And they'll be like, he's like two weeks away. That's just a hunch I have. And then he'll be like back by like February 1st or like February 6th or something. Just I mean, pre- this just is always what I hope for a player. This is like the opposite of Dave Bettinon's stream scheme when he predicts which players are going to get injured with no basis well, for it. But I have a basis. Bruce Cassidy said that he's seeming ahead of schedule. So I have some basis. But anyways, okay. We're on the same page. We know... Well, Dr. Uh, Bruce Cassidy. I mean, I'm assuming he talked to the doctor. <laughs> I don't think he just, like, did his own examination. <laughs> okay. Uh, obviously, we're going to be doing... I don't know if this is obviously. I just like to say the word obviously. We're going to be doing a show very soon that we do every year called Shmore Goalies Board, where we're going to talk about goalies. So we're not going to dig into goalies right now. We're going to have a whole show where we're going to go over every single goalie and try our best to put them into tears and fail miserably. But I'll point out a couple that seem out of place. Uh, Philip Grubauer and Ilya Samsonov are ranked as the 8th and ninth goalies, which... I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, Grubauer's got Fransu's in the way that maybe they'll split time. Samsonov is new. Like, he could be great. But, like, you know, he's ever been a starting goalie before. By the no way, this new... has Lungfist. Yeah, no longer has Lungfist, which is a good thing. Or about... Some people are saying that's good for him because he's going to play more games. But also might mean that he'll get ri- rode harder and have to play... Ridden. More... Ridden harder. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. He'll and... be crease-ridden. I, I would also say that, like, I would feel like it would... Part of at least the hype of signing Lundqvist in Washington was that, oh, he's going to be a great mentor to Samsonov. And now you wonder if he can really mentor the same way. This is this is those intangible things. But it's still wonder you've got a rookie goalie being thrown into the fire in Washington in a team that probably like their window is going to be closed very shortly. So there's a lot of pressure to contend and succeed. And uh, Phoenix Copley is so far like the, the de facto number two, which doesn't make a great tandem. So that's a lot of pressure riding on Samsonov's shoulders for his first North American season. Yeah, I've done a lot of mock drafts and I've gotten Samsonov like later, you know, like maybe more like a 15th or 16th goalie taken. And I felt like a brilliant genius. But Yahoo has him ranked so high that here are the next goalies after him. There's gonna be one that doesn't really fit in with the group. Let's see if you could pick it out. But most of them are really good. So Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury, Jordan Binnington, Frederick Anderson, Jacob Markstrom, Jari, Hudobin. These are all guys, except for Marc-Andre Fleury, who I don't know how he got there ahead of Binnington and Anderson and Markstrom when he's going to be the backup on Vegas. Maybe they didn't notice the news that Leonard... They definitely did notice the news that Leonard got signed because they have him ranked as the third goalie. And we love Robin Leonard, but I think that might be even a little bit too high. But whatever. Goalies are impossible to predict, so I'm not going to beat up on Yahoo for this. Uh, Just saying... I would probably take like a Carey Price over a Samsonov or a Grubauer and probably the same for Markstrom and Anderson and Binnington. But, you know, that, that, I agree. That, yeah. Who knows? It's, it's funny because Lundqvist go like being out as far as we know, like I'm going to assume for the season, we're waiting for his next steps to be released as per his recent announcement. 
but Lungfist being out of the picture helps and hurts Samsonov. You know, I just said what the negative side is, but of course, now he's got a chance to really just take the bull by the horns here. Um, but where he's ranked, uh, you know, in the top 10, even on Yahoo, is probably still a, a titch high. Yeah, like, it, the value's gone. Like, I thought Samsonov would be a really nice, sneaky goalie pick, and Yahoo's ruined it for me, because now they're <laughs> ranking him ab- ahead of Carey Price. And Philip Grubauer, by the way, like, the thing with Colorado... Like, I don't see why they can't be, like, the Tampa Bay this year, where they, like, win almost every game. Like, they're so good. We talk, You talked about it with Victor on the... Oh, by the way, great show with Victor Nuno, all about the Calder candidates for next year. I loved that show. Great job, Victor, if you're listening. And great job, Brian, for being a great Elon in that show and asking questions. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, you guys were talking about how Colorado is just so stacked. And so if Grubauer gets a lot of games, if your league counts wins... I could see Grubauer that high, except, of course, the problem is you don't know if necessarily he's going to get more starts than Francouz because he's also really good. Actually, I think someone told me it's pronounced Francouz. But anyway, let's just move on from goalies. Let's go back to some... (laughs) Who told you that? Going from Francouz to Francouz to Francouz? Maybe it was Francouz. I don't know. Someone told me something. Basically, I know that Francouz is wrong. I don't know what the right one is. Okay. Uh, okay. I hope he's not listening. Maybe he'll be mad at us. So let's find some more value here. Deep, I got a couple of Red Wings for you that I think Yahoo really underrated. Uh, Dylan Larkin, all the way down at 107th overall. That makes him the 68th forward. Uh, the patrons in the PPP project, the patron projection project, ranked uh, projected him for 70 points. Plus, he's always been good for shots on goal. He even gets a few hits. So the patrons had him projected to be like around the 37th ranked forward. And like I said, Yahoo has him as the 68th forward. So that's huge value. If Dylan Larkin falls out of the top 100 in your league, that's a steal. And soon after him, Yahoo has his teammate and line mate, most likely Anthony Mantha. Yahoo has him at 134, which is the 85th forward in the PPP. We have him projected as the 36th. So obviously like Detroit kind of stinks. And I I think that while Yahoo loves Tampa Bay and wanted to rank all their players super high they clearly hate detroit and want to rank all their players super low i think i'll get to it like thomas grice is like 800 or something crazy like that like they didn't even consider like bernier's even lower but the goalies it makes sense but for these forwards larkin and mantha that have paced for around 70 points recently plus they're both good for lots of shots on goal i don't know like even if they don't do as well as the patrons projected which is like around 70 points each i still definitely see a lot of value here past 100 they're probably they should be drafted probably in like around 60 So when you're talking about drafted past 100, I think some context will help. So I'm going to name some of the guys on Yahoo who are also forwards and ranked ahead of Dylan Larkin. And you let me know if you'd prefer Dylan Larkin or them. Okay. Okay, Okay, Uh, let's go. Tomas Hurdle. Larkin, I'll take. Palmieri. Larkin. Hishier. I want Larkin. Nylander. Uh, You're talking about William Nylander? That one's close. That one's close. Okay. Bo Horvat. Uh, Larkin. Timo Meyer. Uh, Meyer has a lot of shots, like, and he has that upside. So I could see that being going either way. Okay, like, I so interesting. I I don't know if I would have taken Larkin over all the guys that you did, but I don't feel like looking at the group of players in front of him. He's that wrongly rated. I mean, I'm just going by Brian comparing what the patrons projected yeah. for these guys. Like, like who's the player who you think like Heeshir? I know you love Heeshir. By the way, the no, patrons I would take project- Larkin over Heeshir. Yeah, the patrons have him projected for 57 points. And but I wouldn't take Larkin shots. over Nylander. And I don't think I'd take him over Hurdle or Meyer. Uh, okay, Konechny's so... also, you know, within 10 spots ahead of Dylan Larkin. So I'm just trying to figure out why 
like what the difference is, like who our patrons have like below Larkin maybe would be another interesting. Well, you can see it on this fancy spreadsheet, which now this isn't a visual podcast, but uh, (laughs) William Nylander, the patrons have him ranked as the 53rd forward and they have Larkin as the 37th. So yeah, like a William Nylander who's being, so again, Larkin, the patrons had for 70 points. Maybe you can say that you don't agree with that 70 point projection. Uh, Nylander they have for also 70 points, but like uh, fewer shots, fewer right. hits, fewer blocks. So, you know, right. fewer so goals. It's, it's Larkin's benefit. Like he's a big shooter. And I think that's the reason why he sort of flies up the patron projection rankings compared to a lot of the guys ahead of him. Yeah, fork a, couple, fork a couple scoring. Again, yeah. like if your league settings are different, then maybe Larkin's closer to Nylander. Yeah, in terms of points, I don't think he's that far out of the realm of a lot of the other guys we mentioned. Like I see him as being like he had that huge 79-point season in 1819 and then uh, just a 61-point a pace in 2019-20, playing similar minutes but just on a team that was uh, getting filled in night in, night out. Um, the reason to think that Larkin can bounce back uh, from that 60-point pace and get up above it, and probably maybe not all the way to that 80-point pace, but he can get back up, is his IPP at 5-on-5 five five was pretty low. Also, the Red Wings' power play was really bad, and it could be the case that that happens again this year. Um, it's not like there's a whole lot of reinforcements on the way, but I would hope um, that he could do better than like 16 power play points or 17 that he was on pace for. Like I want to see at least like he I feel like he should top power play good player. That's a that's a safe bet for 20 power play points. Okay, here's one reinforcement. Anthony Mantha. He got injured. Like they were both True. doing so well at the yeah. start of the year that Mantha got injured. So I feel like obviously he has to stay healthy, but if I think if Larkin and Mantha are both healthy and they do have a reinforcement named Philip Zadina. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's was drafted very high and he's very good. Plus Finally, they've got Philip Hironik. Like, I hope they don't go back to like a Chalowski. At least they're going to have Mike Green. Oh, you know they will. Well, yeah. So who knows about that? I mean, theoretically, they should be able to stack a pretty nice top power play, even though the rest of the team isn't that good. I agree. And I think, by the way, Anthony Mantha, like, is the more criminal ranking. Where did you say he was? Like, how far down below Larkin? So Mantha is ranked at 134 on Yahoo. Larkin is 107. So that's a steal for Mantha for sure. Yeah, that's huge. And I, like, I agree being without Mantha was like hurt Larkin a lot last season. Mantha was on that 72 point pace and I think he can do it again. Uh, I think he can help get Larkin up to, yeah, about 70 points. So together, okay, Elon, I, I finally coalesce ah. now that I'm really thinking this through. Uh, I will put Larkin up above a bunch of the guys ahead of him in the Yahoo rankings, but I'm still, I guess I'm still just a little concerned. How many points can the top player in Detroit get this year? 70. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I knew you'd well, say that. A pace, obviously. They're only going to yeah. play around 55 games. Uh, Matthew, by the way, is asking when's more at Cider do. So yeah, they might have another good power play defenseman coming up. I think, like, I really liked your discussion with Victor in the last episode about how, like, why would a team in this weird season, especially Detroit, who has no chance of winning, why use up a year of entry-level contract you know, and like we waste it for no reason for a weird season where the player's not even going to get a full season's worth of experience. So that might be a reason why they don't bring Cider up. But obviously, I don't know what they're going to do. Right. Uh, yeah. Shams is saying now he believes Cider has to finish his European season before going back. So maybe Cider will just play a few games at some point. Uh, okay. I'll do another goalie here that I think fell really far. I'm actually curious to hear what you think about him. And again, we'll talk more about goalies either next week or the week after. But John Gibson is all the way down at 139th, the 25th goalie. Gibson is someone who I feel like just a year or two ago, we were talking about him as like a top five goalie. Like he, you know, not on a great team, but generally he's been able to be pretty reliable for a really high save percentage, plus like a ton of saves because he plays 
plays a lot of games, and he faces a lot of rubber in those games. Obviously, his save percentage has taken a hit as Anaheim's been really brutal over the past couple of years. But still, uh, I mean, come on. Like, guys like Morazic, Holtby are ahead of Gibson. Like, I definitely think Gibson is good value where he is. And by the way, that's the reason why in all of my fantasy drafts, I'm waiting on goalies, right? Because I don't know who's going to fall. Maybe someone will take Gibson, but, you know, some good goalie is going to fall late. And if it's Gibson, if I could get Gibson in like the seventh, eighth round of my draft after, you know, 15 goalies have gone, I'll take him as my number one goalie because, yeah, he's not the most amazing number one goalie potentially, but think of all the awesome forwards and defensemen that I got while other people were taking the quote unquote like better goalies, like a Connor Hellebuck who's going to probably go first or second for goalies. I don't know how much better Winnipeg even is. Like, maybe for wins, they'll be a bit better. But Winnipeg could struggle next year. Anaheim could improve if Trevor Zegras coming. You know, there's some young players that, who knows it. Like, they're not going to be terrible forever, right? So, I don't know. All that to say, uh, Gibson, really good value here at 139, 25th goalie. I agree that Gibson is good value there. And you have to hope that there's a lot of recency bias playing into where people decide to draft John Gibson, who prior to last season, in his first four years, five years in the NHL, had a 60% quality start percentage and a 921 save percentage. These are high-end numbers. Uh, He was above 920 in three of those first five seasons before last year's catastrophic 904 save percentage and only a 43% quality start percentage. By the way, for anyone who's not familiar with that, a quality start percentage is a start where a goalie generally uh, plays, puts up a save percentage that's league average or higher, or there's like an allowance for them to give up two goals with an 885 save percentage or higher. But essentially, in fantasy terms, a quality start is a start where a goalie helps your numbers and doesn't blow you up. And John Gibson did that 60% of the time, which is high. League average is somewhere uh, just above 50%. So John Gibson has been great. He's been reliably great, and he had one bad year. So no, I'm not shuffling him all the way down my rankings the way Yahoo has. Although I do see the re- like the reason that he did badly last year, in my mind, was because of all the adjustments that were being made in Anaheim, new coach, new system, and so many players uh, really trying to become a unit for the first time. Uh, also, not very many good players in the picture. You have to imagine some part of that is still going to be true this year, so there's reason to temper your expectations from him getting up above 920 again. But at the same time, you have to think there will be a little more comfort with the team as a whole, and that's going to help um, Gibson have a decent season. And you look at their top three defensemen, they're pretty good. Still, Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson. After that gets a little dicey, you've got Shattenkirk, Jacob Larson, uh, Cody Curran, and Christian Juice. So uh, you've got like three guys in the top four, and then a bunch of other guys who are more or less bottom pairing defensemen, as far as we know. But I am uh, hopeful that Anaheim can get their stuff together enough to help John Gibson at least put up a league average save percentage again and make a ton of saves along the way, which is also the headline here. Yeah, obviously, like we will not ever say that we think we can predict what will happen with goalies, but I think he's a good bet. And like, we'll have to see what happens. Like, not every team that was bad last year is going to be bad again this year. Like that very rarely happens. So one of these bad teams should improve and surprise us. Yeah, I don't, yeah, obviously I'm not going to jump out and say it's going to be Anaheim, but you have to think they were pretty close to rock bottom last year. You have to hope anyway. Uh, Elon, here's a piece of trivia for you. Who is John Gibson's backup? Uh, Well, Ryan Miller is not signed. So I don't know. I I don't even know. Yeah. The only player on their roster 
that qualifies or that's in their system at all is Anthony Stoller. Oh, Stoli the goalie. Stoli the goalie. So, <laughs> I mean, this is just more reason to just – we were talking about Matt Murray a couple weeks ago as being an underrated goalie draft pick. as just someone who's going to see a ton of pucks because Ottawa's got a probably a pretty weak defense and uh, they don't really have – well, they have some other options to turn to, but I think Anaheim has even fewer options to turn to, and we're one of the worst defensive teams in the league last season. So, for the same reason, John Gibson carries some really great fancy value if you can grab him. And I can't wait to repeat all of that in one or two weeks' time on Smart Goalie's board. Yeah. Uh, by the way, another defenseman that Anaheim has is a guy named Brendan Gooley, who uh, played, I don't know, 30 games last year. Anyway, I have him in my dynasty league, so I just wanted to bring him up. He's someone who might have some offensive upside. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. And they have Jamie Drysdale, who they just drafted. Oh, yeah. So we don't know how soon he'll be ready. I mean, he's 18 years old. He'll, only, he'll be 19 in April, though. So I don't know if he's ready. And also, uh, do you remember this name? It's just, I, I don't know if you recall it all. Yanni Hakampa? Nope. Uh, I feel like he came over. I'm just looking at their roster on cap friendly i feel like he came over uh to north america last season with like a little bit of buzz and i'm just looking up his numbers yeah he was okay in san diego he played 47 games 13 points like nothing exciting but i'm just trying to find more possible options to round out anaheim's top four to have a little more faith in john gibson or a little hope but his upside is huge yeah and their forward core it's not terrible, especially if, like Steele and Terry and Zgrass all go make a step forward. Like Silverberg yeah, and it. Henrique are like you know solid, you know reliable players. Uh, Getzlaff and Raquel are still around. Like they should have a decent. They should be better than last year. That's all I'm saying. They're like yeah. simultaneously waiting for seven different players to take a step forward. So if at least half of those guys do, then they're in decent shape. Yeah. Okay. So uh, basically, at this point, now we're past like 140 ranked on Yahoo. So we'll mostly be talking about players now who we think are underrated and could be good value picks if they fall to you in your draft. I've got like a lot to go. So I guess we could go into a bit of a hurry up mode. Not too hurry up mode. We still got, you know, at least a half an hour more of this podcast. But I'll, I'll start selling you some names. And you what? can let me know if, <laughs> if you disagree. What's the what there? At least a half hour more? Uh, yeah, I think so. How long okay. do you want to go for? Well, now you're going to make me sound. Um, let's go. Let, let's uh, let's hurry up mode it. All right. So uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, all the way at 143rd overall, the 89th forward. We have him ranked at 58th. Or no, sorry. He was ranked 58th in the cupful last year. Like, he was good last year. Like, the Patriots haven't projected to be the same as he did last year. Like, why does Yahoo hate this guy? That he's, like, really, you know, he's around 60 points. He's probably going to get 60 points again. Great for shots. Like, great for hits. He's, he's you know, if your lead counts plus minus. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, he's good there. Like, what what possible reason would Yahoo have to have bumped Jonathan Marsh so, so far? It's crazy. What a steal. Yeah, that's a steal. Agreed. 60 points at that point of the draft is great. And uh, you can pretty much, like, he's been very consistently this player for three of the last four seasons. And the one season he wasn't, he was an 80-point player. So what's not to like about Marcia So uh, still playing in what's a really good-looking Vegas top six? Yeah, then over at 158th on Yahoo, the 98th forward is Oliver Bjorkstrand. I'll definitely take him over some guys ahead of him, like Max Domi, Eric Stahl, Brock Nelson, Radulov. 
I'm not saying those guys are bad, but I like I like Bjorkstrand. Maybe you'll say Brock Nelson, or I don't know, Brian. You actually maybe don't like no, Brock you, Nelson. No, you you <laughs> predicted exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say the only guy I might take over Bjorkstrand is Brock Nelson, just because. And we've talked about Bjorkstrand in the last month or two. How there's that ceiling in Columbus because of the style John Tortorella plays, and also uh, Tortorella can be. Uh, kind of unpredictable as a coach and how he hands out minutes and if he likes your haircut and what that means for your ice time. So that would be a reason for me to take someone who's just such a steady Eddie like Brock Nelson over Bjorkstrand. But yeah, over Domi, Stahl, and Radulov, I'll take Bjorkstrand. And Bjorkstrand, of course, has the highest upside out of all of them. I guess Radulov has pretty high upside too, but Bjorkstrand is, I think, likelier to realize his. Yeah, like especially like Max Domi, like, I don't know. I guess he's new on the team. We have, like, like you said, I guess we don't really know how Columbus will deploy their players. You do, I just like Bjorkstrand. Tortorella likes Bjorkstrand. He had him on the top line last year until he got injured and he was doing great. Okay, right, uh, coming up. Oh, we just talked about this guy on Anaheim, Ricard Raquel at 170. Uh, even if, I guess he, he'll have to bounce back a bit to earn that. Uh, what did the patrons, let me get this. What did the patrons, uh, project Raquel for? They have him for 57 points. And with his peripherals that he's been putting up lately, that still made him like the 75th ranked forward for us and Raquel is ranked as 104th forward on Yahoo so I think that there's good value there even if he doesn't fully bounce back and I I believe that he still can get back to at least being like you know what the patrons said like a 56 maybe 60 point player yeah we talked about him as one of the players who we missed our projection on him by the most um so you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want to hear the full reasoning but yeah, I still think he can be above 60 points. Just nine power play points over 65 games is real weak. And you have to hope Anaheim's power play, like Detroit's power play, can uh, improve their fortune somewhat this year. And then if you give Raquel the benefit of the doubt, he's also a better shooter than he showed himself to be last season. So those two parts combined can get him up to 60. And I am guilty of still thinking the upside is there for him to be a 70-point player, but I am not guilty of actually expecting him to get there. I think it's a long shot. I think he can be that player in the right situation, but I just don't think that right situation is going to be anything we see in the next year or two. Yeah, and just like compared to some of the guys ahead of him, like uh, Anthony Sorelli, I don't know, like uh, Gurianov, who who does have some upside, but I would still take Raquel over those guys. Uh, let's do a defenseman here, really far down at uh, 173rd on Yahoo, making him the 39th ranked D, is Ryan Pulak, who... It's really good, especially in a multi-category league. I think he's a solid bet for around 45 points next season. Like, maybe next season is finally the year that he takes over on the top power play because Devon Taves is now on Colorado, and Ryan Pulak was blocked by Taves before. Of course, they could go back to Letty, or maybe Dobson takes the spot and Pulak stays on the second power play. But even still, I think he's still good for 40 to 45 points, and he's amazing with his peripherals over 200 shots, over 130 hits, like around 150 blocks. So that actually makes him, based on on our patron projections and these peripherals that I said, that would rank him in the couple as the 12th ranked defenseman ahead of Quinn Hughes, by the way, with a 46 point projection. So uh, way like far down on Yahoo's list. And if you're in a multi-category league, you're definitely jumping on Ryan Pulak a lot earlier. No, Elon, you know what? I agree with Yahoo entirely on this one. Uh, Cupful division. Stop listening. This is amazing. Ryan Pulak could be a really fantastic player to grab if he falls that far in your drafts. Uh, that was a poorly executed joke. What I'm trying to say here is that, yeah, Pulak has been one of my better kept secrets uh, for a couple years before this one as someone who just had 
such a great floor for peripherals. And there also was that power play uh, potential upside that he had that I, I don't know if he'll ever get a chance to realize he might get a shot this year, but that's been the story for the last couple of years and it hasn't really come to fruition. But because his peripheral floor is so freaking good, 40 points from him is all you need for him to be worth being uh, at least a number three D on your roster, potentially a number two D on your roster. I love guys like this who just have this solid floor. It's almost like I'm trying to think of a comparison player, Elon, and the best I can come up with off the top of my head is a better version of Alex Goligoski, who you knew could get 35 to 40 points, but put up enough shots and blocks, and I can't remember if hits or not, uh, to make him worth owning more often than not. Eric Johnson's another sort of comparable. Uh, So Ryan Pulak is a fantastic guy to secretly want and keep in your queue until you think you need to draft him before somebody else gets wise to him. Yeah, and like both Johnson and Goligoski never really were. Maybe Goligoski was for a little bit, but like Pulak has more offensive upside than those guys generally did. So I like him even better. Maybe a comparable that's also has similar points upside is like maybe an Ivan Provorov, who I think is going to go a lot higher than yeah. Pulak in a lot of drafts. Also, the Islanders generally go to pretty even power plays. I don't know if that's a smart thing or not, but like even if he's not on the top power play, he still gets decent power play points every year, you know, <laughs> relatively speaking for a New York Islander. So yeah, he, he's solid. And, you know, I think he's a good bet for 40 plus points like you said okay uh okay here's one player who i actually think is ranked too high even though he's all the way at 177 maybe this is mean tell me that i'm wrong phil kessel uh the patrons projected him for 48 points he's not like he's not good for peripherals anymore he used to be like good for shots he had like pace for less than 200 shots last year doesn't hit like people that are after phil kessel are like riley smith jamie ben even like patrick hornfist those are the next three and i'd like all of them over phil kessel so let someone else take phil kessel imo i wouldn't even draft him i would leave him as in a free agent Yeah, the only hope for Phil Kessel this year, and he ended the season as a free agent in a lot of leagues last season, the only hope for him is that Arizona learned from what they saw from him last year and will find a better way to put him in a position to succeed. But as we have sort of hinted on in the past, and if I I say as we said in the past, it sounds too revisionist and like we're trying to toot our own horn because nobody saw such a drop coming, although... We weren't expecting him to be so close to his Pittsburgh days in Arizona, but it wasn't supposed to be this bad. Uh, what I want to say here is that he's not necessarily the kind of player that ages well. He's 33 years old now, um, and a player like this, as they get to 33, 34, 35, uh, they can fall off that cliff. Uh, Phil Kessel is a finisher who needs to get to the right place at the right time to be able to be the trigger man. Um, he's not playing with anyone in Arizona who seems to be able to bring it up the ice with him in a way that has worked. So we'll see if the Coyotes can figure that out this season, but I'm not optimistic that they can or that he has enough wherewithal to really keep up with whatever their plans might be. So I don't know if I'd say, I mean, Okay, I might take him to Patrick Hornquist, but I wouldn't take him to Jamie Benn or Riley Smith. How about that? <laughs> well, in the Cupful, I would take Hornquist for sure because right, he's going to get you more gets, shots and hits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm talking points. But yeah, of course, there's that extra piece that you said. Uh, Kessel has these declining shot rates, which is uh, disappointing, declining ice time. And if he doesn't have his shots, he does literally nothing else. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Hornfist, uh, Brian, news out of Florida. Anthony Duclair signed a one-year, $1.7 million deal. 
Uh, I've really had it locked in my brain that like Patrick Hornfist is going to be the guy who gets the shot on the top line with Barkov and Hubert Doe and also on the top power play, which is like not based on anything. It was just like something I imagined. And I guess I thought it so many times I thought it was true. I guess now Anthony Duclair is potentially another contender. So Duclair, by the way, is ranked uh, 355th on Yahoo. So no one's going to be thinking of him in your draft unless people like purposely scroll down. Like ser- They'll have to search for him to find him and add him to their queue. If they're going to draft, no one's just going to be scrolling rolling down and seeing him so do you think Duclair has a shot to get a top six spot in Florida I mean he's got to have a shot it's a silly question who knows I I feel like if I could give your answer it's like he's shown times where he's been amazing when he was given the right opportunity in Ottawa last year specifically and it's always possible that could happen again and he could be huge value like he was a must own in fantasy last year around December and leading into the all-star game then he kind of disappeared so I don't think he's a sure thing but I definitely think that he's someone who could get a shot with Barkov and maybe even without Barkov, he could still be better than 355th overall on Yahoo. <laughs> I, I think it's almost certain he'll be better than 355th overall on Yahoo, just because he's going to need to be. Uh, the Panthers are going to need him to be. Uh, there's really uh, no competition for him. I mean, there's he'll be competing with Hornqvist for a spot on that top line. Uh, but beyond that... Uh, it's very likely he lands on at least the second line, which, of course, doesn't mean he's going to have a, a solid center. It might mean that Alex Wenberg is a center, but it does mean that he's still going to get the minutes. And I would love to see what he can do with them. Uh, you know, his even strength point rates have actually been really similar through his career. Uh, he was just able to get more last season because he played a career high at 16 minutes and 16 seconds, which was three and a half minutes more than the season prior, three minutes more than essentially his career uh, had been for the last few years before that. So I'm excited for Duclair to still get ice time, hopefully get a shot on that top power play unit. We had a conversation on our patrons only discord server where someone was wondering if he could just slot in to Hoffman's spot and just be like the finisher. And of course, like, yeah, he doesn't have the same, uh, like Hoffman is elite at being a trigger man like his his shot is incredible i don't know if duclair's is quite there but duclair does shoot the same way so if they want to try him there could be that opportunity there for him to put up some meaningful power play reduction for the first time in his career so those are reasons to be into anthony duclair that said uh, it could all go nowhere and go south so i like he's not someone i'm going to get super excited about but he is someone that i'm going to go down to 355th on yahoo add him to my queue, and then keep him in mind as a late round flyer. Yeah, exactly. Someone where if it works out, great. If not, you could always just drop him. Not a big deal because you wanted to have some open spots available for free agents regardless. Maybe, you know, just like when you draft uh, David Pasternak, then you're like letting yourself play the wire. Maybe you also like playing the wire includes taking a shot on guys like Anthony Duclair. Uh, By the way, the power play. Yeah, I really like that point that he can take the Hoffman spot. And then I guess Hornquist could take the Dadanov spot. Maybe they can both have some value. So we'll see. Hornquist generally like stands in front of the net on the power play. I don't know how many points you could actually get there. Uh, Okay, one more guy I'll say that's ranked too high. Uh, is Yoel Kiviranta, who had a couple of really big playoff games for Dallas on their run, and somehow that earned him 198th overall, which maybe you're being, Elon, don't be mean. Like, he's 198th. It's not, like, that high. But still, that puts him ahead of Dylan Strom, Jason Zucker, Anthony Beauvillier, Kasperi Kapanen, like Brandon Saad. I'd, of course, want all those guys over Kiviranta. Like, I take Duclair over Kiviranta. So I kind of see him as, like, this year's 
Martin Marinson, you know, someone who's going to have a super high percentage owned just because a lot of people auto-drafted him if your league has more than 200 players drafted and then the people who ended up not like managing their team, they'll still keep him on and people are wondering like, why is Kivi Ranta owned in so many leagues? And, and that'll be why, because he, he might make the team. I don't expect him to be a meaningful like top six contributor on Dallas. So way too high. No, he's not even going to be a top nine contributor. He was healthy. He was like, he was scratched often enough. And because he played that hero role, he got a bit more play as the playoffs went on. And that's a great rep to have and a lot of fun. But there's no reason, no reason to draft this guy on in any leagues. I would even say in a dynasty league. It's just, he's not a legit fantasy play. Anything can change, but he is nowhere on my radar. Yeah, uh, I actually have Kiviranta in my Dynasty League, but I think we took him like in the 19th round of the draft that was for players who haven't played games yet. And that was with like 20, like, you know, it was like super deep when like they were like, I hadn't heard of anyone that was available. I was like, oh, Kiviranta, I remember him. I know who he is. <laughs> so then we took him. Uh, okay, uh, so this is an obvious one. Darnell Nurse, a 200. Makes no sense. The 42nd D. If you're in a points only league, sure. But people's, people in bankers need leagues. I don't need to tell them that Darnell Nurse is worth a lot higher. Like, uh, the patrons only project him for 37 points, and that still ranks him way higher for a defenseman with a couple scoring just because he's so great for shots, hits, and blocks. I don't even need to throw to you for that. Uh, Jason Zucker at 202. This is a guy who's probably going to be playing with Crosby, or if not, then with Malkin. And so the patrons projected him for 57 points, which would make him uh, the 100 ranked forward for a couple scoring, and Yahoo has him as like the 125th forward, so... I think uh, Jason Zucker definitely is someone you'll want to grab later in your draft, especially if he's falling further than he should. And I'll throw one more name, then then you could just take all three if you want. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff at 219. He's obviously not the Ryan Getzlaff of old, but I'll still take him. I'll still take him that far. He still gets you hits. Like he's, you know, he doesn't shoot at all. That's that's a problem with Getzlaff. So obviously it depends on your league settings, but I still think he should be good for another 50, 60 point season. Uh, yeah. Well, 50 is very different from 60. I think 50 is, is very reasonable. Two seasons ago, he's on a 59-point pace. And I think that was a pretty good snapshot of what Ryan Getzlaff looks like in this rebuilding Anaheim situation, also being age 35, too. So, uh, yeah, I think 50 points was too far for him to fall last season. Again, he, like Raquel, suffered from that very weak Anaheim power play that there's room to improve on. So perhaps he can get into the 55-60 point range. Uh, you mentioned Jason Zucker, who our patrons projected at 57 points. My first response to that was like, you know, 57 points is conservative. And then I look back, back at his career numbers and only... Like aside from last season, uh, he had only one time paced for above 49 points over 82 games. And that was that big breakout year uh, with 64 points in 82 games, thanks to 16 power play points, um, many from the second unit. So I don't know. I still have a lot of like there's that upside with Zucker, which is exciting, which is reason to say, OK, even if you have him projected at 55, 60 points, you take him sort of at the top of the pile for players who are slated to go around that time in your draft. And you also mentioned Darnell Nurse. And you're right. You said you didn't even need to throw to me on him. A great floor, like a Ryan Pulak kind of player. It's nice when you don't have to rely on a player to score points to help you. It's really nice. Blocks and hits and shots are a lot more repeatable and consistent game to game than points, especially for a guy who you're only expecting to get 40 points out of. So uh, I like 
players like Nurse and Pulak. I like rounding out my roster with them. I feel like they're gaining value. Like the secret is is getting out on what a, a high floor peripheral defenseman is worth for a lot of teams. But uh, if you can still sneak Darnell Nurse onto your roster, that'd be great. Especially keep in mind, Clefbaum is injured. So Nurse's workload might increase a little bit as a result. Right, yeah, Barry's coming in, but maybe he's not like a huge minute muncher. Bouchard is also coming in. So there's other people that could eat up those minutes and yeah, not nurse. But either way, he'll yeah, be but fine. Yeah, <laughs> was like a really great two-way defender. The two guys you named are not. Fair, yeah, for sure. Okay, here's a big one. This is one with like I put a whole bunch of exclamation points. The other guys that get slapped and Zucker, like, sure, they're probably not ranked exactly where they should be. This is like a crazy one. Nikolai Ehlers is ranked 226th oh. on Yahoo. What? Why? 100 and, 143rd. Exactly. Why? It's like Marcia So. It's like, what are you doing? That like, is the most egregious misranking I think we've gotten to so far. Would yeah, you agree? Insane. Yeah. Like, I think worse so. than Kucherov at number one. No, Kucherov at number one is fine. Like, he yeah. was number one, like, a couple seasons ago when he won the Art Ross. Like, Nikolai Ehlers is at 226. Like, the Pages rejected him for 66 points, which is, like, reasonable. He pays for 67 points last year. Just like I said, for Line A, he gains Paul Stasny at center. Like, maybe that'll help him out. There's always the chance. I'm not saying it'll happen, but there's still always the chance he could get on the top power play. And I think then he becomes a point-per-game guy. So the upside is there. Our projections have him as the 61st ranked forward. Again, Yahoo has him for 143rd. So, like, so much farther. Yahoo, come on. Dustin Brown, JVR, Craig Smith, Phil Deneau are all directly ahead of Nikolai Ehlers. What, who, what, what were they inhaling what when they Nick came up Ehlers with this? What did Nikolai Ehlers do to Yahoo to get, <laughs> yeah. to get that? As, and now, like you said, the top power play would be great for Ehlers if he can get there. Even if not, he's going to get Stasny or Shifley through the season. Last year, he actually got Blake Wheeler and Jack Roslovic for a fair bit, which is, you know, just fine and dandy. But that's always been that concern that the Jets aren't deep enough for Ehlers to have a good enough center throughout the whole season to support his production. Uh, that is there now. So there's no reason to like Ehlers any less than you ever have before. I'm curious, actually, where he was ranked last year. Like, if he fell, was he injured? Like, like I, I just don't, he wasn't injured. He didn't miss games. Sometimes Yahoo penalizes a player for that. I am so, so terribly confused. I would honestly, this would be like my dream interview to get the person who comes up with these rankings and then just like ask them. Maybe they have a reason. Like, yeah, you know, Ehlers, I noticed that he uh, wasn't skating as hard near the end of the year. Like, that would be so fun to actually get someone who could explain this. Because to me, it makes no sense. It's obvious value. If you're in a league with casuals and Ehlers falls and you could rely on like getting him like a seventh, eighth round or wherever this puts him. You, you win, right? It's a, it's a slam dunk. He's, he's awesome. He's going to get you at least 65 points. Uh, here's a guy who's not a slam dunk, but still good value. Victor Arvidsson at 236. Even a modest bounce back to 51 points, which is what the patrons projected, would still rank him as the 114th forward as opposed to the 150th forward like Yahoo has him. Here's another guy who had a huge season last year, but somehow Yahoo just totally ignored it. Thomas Tatar is ranked at 242, even though he pays for like 70 points. Uh, The patrons projected him for 65, which would put him a lot higher than the 153rd ranked forward that Yahoo has him at. Uh, Brian, which side are you on? (laughs) I don't even know. I don't really have a question for you here. These are just so obvious. And so like Ehlers and Tatar, like, I don't think Tatar is like going to get necessarily 70. Like Montreal, we've talked about how they're more of like a well-balanced team. Now they've brought in Toffoli and they've brought in Josh Anderson. I wonder if that means less, you know, minutes for the top line. They try to spread out the offense more. So maybe Tatar falls a bit, but like Nino Niederreiter 
is ahead of Thomas Tatar in these rankings. And Brian, I know you're a huge Nino Niederreiter fan, but come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm not that big a Nino Niederreiter <laughs> fan. Tatar had that 74-point pace, like you met last season, like you mentioned, Elon, uh, the Habs have brought in other wingers who could bump Tatar down the depth chart. And we know, or at least we think we know, that the Canadians have also tried to shop him around. So they don't seem terribly invested in him. and Not someone they want to hand. It doesn't seem like he's someone they really want to hand a whole lot of responsibility or play to. That said, he is better than what his ranking says. I would, I don't know. I'd like who, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, Victor Arvidsson right above him. Who would you prefer between those two? I think I would take Tatar. Like, I like Arvidsson as a good swing. I don't know, maybe Arvidsson. Maybe they're similar. I put them both on my list as people that Yahoo has ranked incorrectly. I think I'd have to take a look. Uh, Like I said, the patrons have him ranked as the 114th forward. The patrons have Tatar ranked as the, uh, did I say? Oh, no. Oh, well, they have him for 65 points, but I didn't write down every little. Okay, Tatar, patrons have him ranked as the 78th forward. So the patrons have Tatar ahead of Arvidsson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think that's right. I just, like, I don't know what the Habs' plans are for him. Well, I think when you're saying, like, they don't want to give him responsibility, like, that's not, they're shopping him around because he's an unrestricted free agent in a year, and they've already spent a lot of money, and so they're trying to shop him before they lose him for nothing. It's not that they don't want to give him, like, responsibility, as far as I know. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's keep going down the list here. We could zoom through a few. Uh, Good D-value. We said Pulak was good D-value, like, 100 picks earlier. How about at 250, you get Jacob Chikrin, who is the 53rd-ranked defenseman on Yahoo. Uh, The patrons only projected him for around 38 points, and even that with his peripherals would make him the 31st defenseman instead of 53rd. So even if he's not amazing, he's still a lot better than where he's projected. And I think Chikrin has, like, upside. Like, he got on a really good run before he got injured at the end of last season. He was taking, like, a ton of shots. He was starting to bump OEL from the top power play sometimes. So I think he's a great sleeper. And, like, here he's, like, an amazing sleeper. Because, like, according to this ranking, you could get him, like, in the last round of your draft. And he could end up being a really solid defenseman for you. Uh, Then you have Tanner Pearson at 255, which is just, like, he's solid. He's good. He's better than Alex Galchenyuk and Andrew Shaw, who are ahead of him. Then let me throw a goalie at you. I love this. Let's say I got Gibson in the middle of my draft, like I said, because he was ranked super low. Then, over at 268th, we get Linus Allmark. Come on! If I could get Gibson and Olmark with like late goalie picks, yeah, I'm loving my life. Two starting goalies with upside to be workhorses, right? There's no necessary. I mean, you could say Carter Hutton could be a viable one B or number two option, but I'm not. I'm not on that train at all. I think Linus Olmark is the number one uh, undisputed, just like John Gibson, and uh, that would be a real bargain if you could just sneak him onto your team at the end of the draft. Like 268th is beyond. Uh, I mean, I don't know where, where is he ranked for goalies, Elon. Uh, I will tell you in a second. He's ranked as the 41st goalie. Oh yeah. So in all likelihood. Every team could fill their goalies just going in order of who's available on Yahoo, and Olmark will be very available to you. So I would love for that to happen to me in a Yahoo draft. Yeah, Carter Hutton's ahead of him. Carter uh, Hutton's at 249. Uh, Yahoo. Yahoo. Get, get it together. Okay, but we got don't, it. because these shows are fun where we get to scoff. I know. And then probably we could go back and listen, and, and I'll bet you in a lot of our old ones, we'll, there'll be some players that if we actually went back and see, like, oh, Yahoo was right after all. Like, it's oh, possible. I don't think so. 
I'd like to go back and see. Uh, it definitely, if we made fun of a Victor Arvidsson projection from last year, we would have sounded dumb in hindsight because he did really bad. Now we're doing it here. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, okay, uh, Philip Zadina, 274. We already talked about the Red Wings. And I think Zadina, like, he's definitely worth drafting. 270. These are guys now that Yahoo's saying aren't worth drafting in a lot of leagues. And I think all these guys I'm going to bring up are. And Zadina, who knows what his ceiling is next year. But I think... He was on a good run also before he got injured. I think Yahoo, like, if someone gets injured, they're like, knock him down like 200 spots. They really do. Uh, Adam Henrique at 278, like, is a solid, boring 50-point guy, ranked a lot higher uh, last year. I don't see any reason for him to change. Here's another goalie, Corey Crawford, as the 42nd goalie at 281. I think he's going to split starts with uh, Blackwood in New Jersey, and he's going to be really solid. Definitely better than Carter Hutton, (laughs) that's for sure. You love Corey Crawford, right? Oh, yeah. I love Corey Crawford. And I think he's probably going to split, especially with a compressed schedule, split starts with Mackenzie Blackwood. And Corey Crawford, uh, I've talked about him at length, about how well he performed on a Chicago team that did nothing, nothing for him, did him zero favors. And I think that's when he plays best. And I think that New Jersey might be like they protect better, but they're still not a defensive stalwart team. So I think he's going to see a fair amount of action and he's going to be really good at it if recent years in his career will tell that story. Uh, Of course, he's getting older and there are injury concerns. So you have to keep those two pieces in mind. And he has had bouts of inconsistency. But on the whole, Corey Crawford has been an incredible NHL goalie for the duration of, of his career. And it doesn't seem like it's time to write him off yet by putting him all the way down where yahoo has like i wouldn't i wouldn't put him far from wherever mackenzie blackwood is yeah me neither like definitely in a dynasty league or something i'd have blackwood way ahead but for next season i think crawford could still hold his own john's giving us some info in the chat here yahoo says their ranks are based on current and prior seasons in quotes and that's all the detail so maybe that explains ehlers and tatar they both had bad years within the last three seasons i guess carter hutton had that one good year like four years ago when he was a backup in nashville or something so or st louis was it i don't know anyway uh who knows? They're obviously not adjusting things based on recent fantasy news. Uh, let's do. So. Oh, here's another one I put a lot of exclamation marks for. So here's a, a big steal. Maybe not as big a steal as Ehlers, but Zach Hyman at 301. Come on. That's crazy. Like, we've discussed him recently uh, on shows. He's a solid bet for around 50 points just because of his line mates. Plus, he's great for peripherals. He gets you some hits. So I think he's a solid bet for 50-55 like the patrons projected him. And at 301... There's no way he's falling because there's going to be some Leaf fan in your draft that will find him. But if he does fall, then that's great great value for sure. Yeah. And I don't know if a Leaf fan would search for him. Like, he, like of course, you know, there's always the homer pick possibility. But I don't know if there's any, like, anyone that a Leaf fan wants to reach for. If you're a Leaf yeah. fan, let us know. Is, is Zach Hyman a guy that you do try and add to your team? Or you get really excited if you see him still on the board? Or is he, does he just mix in with the rest? obviously when i'm drafting i'm going to have my own list where i'm going to have my players ranked by like projections and not using yahoo's list uh and yeah we have zach hyman around the 105th forward uh, for a couple stats and yahoo has him as the 195th so a huge difference yeah Uh, and we were like yes we went into our full reasoning elon he was a guy that we got right last year right yeah yeah so high five on the, yeah, well, no, I'm just saying that the show where we talked about who we got right uh, in our projections from our 2019 audio almanac, uh, we liked a lot of what we saw from Zach Hyman and see reason for it to continue. Even though his shooting percentage was high, uh, his minutes went up and he seems like to be a really nicely entrenched piece in that very strong Toronto top six. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, over at 305, we have Eric Gustafsson, who I think could be a good guy to take a flyer on, pun intended. Ha ha ha. 
could be the top power play defenseman. Who knows? Could be. So if you're, you know, it's a reason there's some defensemen at the end here that we've discussed that maybe make it worth it. I know sometimes you want to just draft defensemen early because they're, you know, value over replacement, the whole thing, they're harder to find later in the draft. But there are some guys where you could might want to just take your stud skaters. And then if you fill out your roster with Chikrin and Pulak, and maybe you grab Gustafsson as a flyer, like I said, and could could do worse. Uh, okay, uh, Frank Vetrano at 315. Uh, you know, we've talked about Duclair and Hornquist. I don't see why Vetrano shouldn't be in that conversation as someone who could maybe, you know, take advantage of Hoffman and Dadanoff being out of the picture. Uh, so, you know, 315, I like him. Uh, plus, he hits a lot. So, and he shoots a lot. So, he's great for peripherals. So, that makes yeah, him good. he's one of those guys that you can stream in and hope that peripherals will show up even if points don't. And I think it's still reasonable to think that points generally won't show up he reminds me of someone i mean he and brett Connolly were like some very frequent uh free agency ads for my team when i need to stream in some extra games i see him in the same position this year i guess you hope there's upside because again the depth chart on florida is just so thin so maybe there is room for a guy like vetrano to push and make an impact but we've said that about him for two or three seasons now and he hasn't delivered so i'm not getting my hopes too high up but like you said, Elon, that peripheral value alone makes him at least worth a thought if your league is drafting deep enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, here's a couple injured players that Yahoo has com- decided to completely forget about, maybe reasonably, but Tyler Sagan at 326. Uh, he did nothing in the playoffs last year, but generally we know him as like a first-round pick in fantasy. He's pr- uh, projected to be sidelined until early April after right hip atheroscopy and labral repair. That's according to what I read on Rotowire. But again, like I said, the playoffs are scheduled to start on May 11th, according to that critical dates screenshot that was shared in Discord, uh, which means if he's sidelined until early April, that's still gives you a month then that's maybe the fantasy playoffs so that could be a good guy you know i'm not saying like uh pasternak where you grab him early because i think he'll be back for a lot of the season but if you can grab sagan with your last pick stash him in your ir all year get him back just in time for your fantasy playoffs boom that's a huge jolt of value into your team right when you need it and I'll throw another name out. Vladimir Tarasenko is a 347. He is on track to be reevaluated in February, according to Blues GM Doug Armstrong. So he's even, I don't even, who knows if he's going to play or not. I don't know what's going on with Tarasenko. But again, if you have room in your IR, maybe you don't even have to draft these guys. Maybe you pick them up afterwards in free agency. But Sagan and Tarasenko, way down the list, 326 and 347. If you're drafting against me, there's no way you're picking Sagan or Tarasenko out of free agency. I'll use my last two picks on them. Because essentially what you're doing if you're drafting them is you are trading, if you draft them in the 11th round, you're trading an 11th round pick for Tyler Sagan because you'll just stash him and then pick up somebody else from free agency to replace him, which uh, should hopefully do you just fine, especially the later you pick him up. Uh, the less distance there is between the pick you added him with and the the free agent that you're going to be adding onto your roster until he's healthy. So uh, yeah, I don't know when, like, I guess the question here, Elon, is when is the right time to take Sagan or Tarasenko? I wouldn't say uh, the first five rounds. I don't know that I'd say the first 10. Uh, Tarasenko, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like somewhere around round 10 is when I'd start thinking about them. Yeah, I don't know. I probably would wait. Like, I just think Yahoo has them way too far down. Like, it's like after the draft, the way they have it ranked. But I'm also someone who, well, especially in Kakupful, where only the top six out of 14 make the playoffs. I probably would, it would be waiting pretty late, like into the last two, three rounds, because they're both scheduled to miss 
probably like a big majority of the season, especially Sagan. But just I just wanted to say that like people should draft them. But you're right, like there's huge value, but it's a big risk. So. Right. I also think it's courteous of Yahoo to rank Sagan and Tarasenko so low because they are the sort of player that an auto drafter would end up picking with like one of their first, second, right. or third round picks. So because they're so far down the list, that's not going to happen, and you can actually choose them strategically. And also, the other teams in your league will not uh, be dead before the season even starts because they spent early picks on Sagan and Tarasenko. That's a that's a great point, Brian. It, like Yahoo has screwed people over in the past. Like Bufflin was picked in like every couple league last year by someone who auto drafted, and he didn't play the whole season. And we knew that he wasn't going to play or was likely not to play the season at the time. So yeah, it's nice that Yahoo puts these guys far down that we know people would be very upset about if they ended up drafting in a high round. Uh, okay, uh, here's another goalie I'll throw out: Thomas Grice. I think I brought him up before. He's the 48th ranked goalie. I mean. If I got Gibson and Olmark, then I'll take Thomas Grice at the end. Like, yeah, Detroit is, you know, bad. It's going to be really tough for him. But, you know, they signed him for decent money. He's going to play. He's been a solid, at least league average goalie. So why not take a shot on him? He's kind of guy, you hold him if he's good, drop him if he's not. So I'm not saying to, like, reach for Thomas Grice, but it's crazy that they have him as the 48th ranked goalie. They're basically saying that they have no faith in him, and they should. He's been yeah, good. Yeah, I wonder if they're just really overweighting wins in their formula Maybe, I, I, yeah. I can't i can't figure it out but yeah grace uh in the vein of gibson and matt murray somebody who's going to see a lot of pucks and hopefully do a decent enough job of stopping them but also don't expect a whole lot of wins to come your way yeah here one more goalie i'll throw at you at 427 so grace by the way was at 348 is capo who now news has come out that alex Salok is injured so it's very likely that cockenin will start the season in minnesota as cam talbot's backup and cockenin is like a prospect that people are excited about talbot i think is good but i could see them being close to 50 50 or maybe 60 40 so either way i think cockenin is definitely worth drafting if you're in a league where like backups are drafted generally you know i would take cockenin over is this a hot take to say i take him over mark andre fleur or at least like in that conversation they had flurry like i said super high up and i don't know cockenin like with the staylock injury cockenin should be higher maybe they made this list before staylock got injured they probably did yeah probably and if they made it after i don't know that's an interesting take cockenin over flurry i mean talbot isn't bad he's inconsistent but he's not bad so i just don't know how much room there will be for cockenin to really take over but was, is there room for flurry to take over no, but there's room for Flurry to play almost half the games on one of the best teams in the league. So he'll right. win often when he does play, where you can't necessarily say the same for Kakanen. And you also can't say that he's like, I would guess if you, if you made me project right now, I would project Flurry to have more games played than Kakanen. That's fair. I got Flurry, though, I guess, is someone who has struggled a little bit. Lately, like I wonder if Cockenham might have upside for higher save percentage. I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to get into Flurry versus Cockenham. I'm just saying, Flurry was like the you know ninth or tenth goalie, and Cockenham is down at 427 as the uh, let's see here the 61st ranked goalie. There's probably goalies ahead of him that aren't even going to play next year, like Caden Primo, so and Aiden Hill. So, well, Aiden Hill will probably play because Ronta's going to get injured, like always. But uh, anyway, you get what I'm saying. Uh, okay, so let's keep going here. Uh, a few more players to round this out. Super, so Blake Coleman, a 360. Like, yeah, he's not going to be the Blake Coleman that he was in New Jersey when he was getting on the top power plane in the top six and playing with Gusev. He's going to be a third liner on Tampa, but in a multi-category league, he's great, right? Lots of hits, lots of shots. Love Blake Coleman, especially 
down at 360. And then how about, uh, okay, two more players. There are, then I'll throw to you to comment. Uh, Mikheyev on the Leafs. We've talked about how there's a there's a top six spot just waiting for someone to take it to play with potentially like Tavares and Nylander or with Matthews and, and Marner, right? So uh, if Mikheyev could take that spot like he was before he got injured last year, then that would be great value. And then how about Oscar Lindblom of 384, who is apparently healthy. News came out that he's like cancer free for a while. I think he's the plan is that he's going to play next year. So that's great news for Oscar Lindblom. And don't forget, he was pacing for 49 points before his season was cut short last year after 30 games. And right before he had to, you know, end his season, he was seeing some top power play time in early December. So Oscar Lindblom is someone that I don't know if I. You know, maybe you draft him with your last or second last pick. It definitely would be on my watch list, just like Mikheyev and just like Blake Coleman. So that's, a, you know, definitely lots of players above them that I would definitely want them a lot more than. Philadelphia is a really, really, like one of those teams with so many moving parts and you just don't know where they're all going to land. Like their depth chart has so many, like you've got Morgan Frost, you've got Joel Farabee, you've got Oscar Lindblom, to some extent you have Scott Lawton, you also have James Van Riemsdyk in the picture who played on the third line uh, for most of last year, but probably could still handle a top six role if he's actually still good, which I I think he is. Uh, Also Scott Lawton, there's just so many, like so much floating happening on their depth chart. So without knowing where things are going to land, oh, and also Nolan Patrick, without knowing how things are going to land, it's really hard to project any of those guys I just named, including oh my, Oscar Lindblom. Um, also, like he's been through like some pretty intense uh, cancer treatment, right? So it's great he's healthy. I have no idea what that means for his fitness. And of course, like I, I hope he has a fantastic season, gets back to doing what he was doing in his age 23 season, his uh, second full-time year in the NHL. Uh, which was looking pretty good to be f- like a, almost a 50-point pace guy at that point. And all the numbers underlying looked really good. And he was given a lot of responsibility. He went from playing 13 and a half minutes a night to 17 and a half minutes a night in one year. Uh, that's a huge, huge bump. So let's see if he can get some of those minutes back and do something with them. And then you also mentioned Mikhaev, who, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's room in the top six for him. Uh, the other candidates, I guess there's uh, Robertson, right? Nick Robertson yeah, sure. might be somebody who gets up there. Uh, but aside from him, like, it's not going to be, I don't think it'll be Wayne Simmons. I don't think it'll be Alexander Kerfoot. Um, Mikhaev is the favorite. So, yeah, the same way that we expect things from Hyman, I don't see Mikhaev as a totally different player from Hyman. So if it works in one line, might work on another. So he would be a great guy to grab as a late round sleeper, um, sleeper used liberally. And you also mentioned Blake Coleman, who is like adding a defenseman to your group of forwards with his peripherals and low point upside, but uh, still worthwhile, especially if you can't do better um, with what's remaining. You know, like you might have 50 point guys available who don't shoot, hit or block. Take Blake Coleman if his peripherals really make up that difference. Yeah, I think he might still be good to be like a 40, 45 point guy. So he's solid. By the way, uh, regarding Lindblom, obviously Philly does... I know you talk about all the moving parts and like there's Frost and Farabee and Patrick, whatever. All I know is like Philly signed him to a three-year contract extension at $3 million per year. So 
I, they, that, I don't know. That indicates to me that they see him as a somewhat important part of the team or they wouldn't have given him that contract. So, we'll, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. I think JVR is maybe falling down the depth chart quickly as all these guys start coming up. Uh, okay, I'll give you another blast here. I got two more blasts and then we'll be done the list and I'll let you and the listeners go to bed. But uh, so I got Connor Brown down at 385. Pays for 50 points last year on Ottawa. He's going to probably once again be in the top six on the top power play. Like I don't see why he shouldn't have the exact same season. So Connor Brown... Like just as you know, he's kind of like a Adam Henrique, like I brought up before, but now a much later pick. He's just a solid bet for sustainable and reliable points. Then you've got Connor Garland at 400. He's maybe a bit of a swing, but he's had stretches where he's been great. And there's been times when he's been a must own when he got on a line with like Taylor Hall. Obviously, that's not going to happen next year, but I don't know. Someone to keep your eye on. And then uh, here's someone I actually really like. Way down at 531. So I don't know why Yahoo doesn't like Robert Thomas, but he had a decent enough season last year. The Patriots are projecting him for 53 points. There seems like there should be an open spot in the top six. Like Tarasenko is once again going to miss a lot of time. Uh, so yeah, Brown, Garland, Thomas, all like 385 to 531 ranked. Again, just like sort of make me scratch my head and go yahoo why are you putting some of the guys you're, again like you're gonna look at the players ahead of these guys and it's gonna be people that are probably not even gonna play in the nhl and for some reason especially like brown and robert thomas just seem like such sure bets to be around 50 points so it seems crazy yeah connor brown is a really great example of somebody you can add to your team really late in the draft instead of taking a swing on nobody uh like someone that's almost certain to not pan out i mean i guess you could because connor brown still might end up in free agency available to you but on your roster he's a steady guy like you said elon i think it's fair to expect 50 points and last season he's taken two and a half shots per game which isn't nothing especially when you're getting down to this part of the draft so i like connor brown for those reasons as like just like a nice high floor option in a sea of uh very low floor options uh so that's one reason i like connor brown um connor garland similar uh, he didn't get the big bump in deployment that we were – well, he got a bump in deployment last season. Um, not any more power play time, but about another minute and a bit at even strength, which is nice. Uh, but I'm curious to see how much more he gets this season. He's sort of been, like, toyed with as a top six piece, playing alongside Taylor Hall. I'm also not sure if Arizona really has a great place to play this year. Like, do you see – I don't know. I'm just trying to think who I want Connor Garland's center or winger to be. And I'm like, Clayton Keller? Yeah, Keller, obviously. But like, that's it? Barrett Hayton? Like, their top six is is pretty empty. You've got Lawson Krause, Derek Stepan, uh, Christian Dvorak, Phil Kessel. There's just not a lot happening. So I just don't know how exciting he can be. I mean, you used to love Derek Stepan. But yeah, I guess you're kind of hoping for like maybe a Keller, Kessel... And Garland line and Kessel gets whatever something back in his game, even though we said before that we were not sure he will. I mean, yeah, this is obviously just a late guy that jumped out at me as someone that shouldn't be as far as he is, but not as as safe a bet as a Connor Brown or uh, who else was the other guy I brought up? That Robert Thomas. Who I think yeah, Robert Thomas is a guy who we've often mentioned as a great streaming option when St. Louis is playing often. He seems like someone who is just waiting for more opportunity. He's 21 years old. He's had two full seasons, still seeing fewer than 15 minutes a night. And uh, has shown in his underlying numbers that, like, he's a legitimately good hockey player. The fact that he got, uh, he was on pace for 52 points last season in under 15 minutes of work per night and very little power play time is a nice sign. 
So yeah, I'd say like Connor Brown, he's got a good floor, except for him, the peripherals are absolutely not there. He barely shoots. Like you, you can hope for a shot per game, which was a reason to not stream him last year when he was one of the top candidates because it's essentially pointer bust. Yeah, so it sounds like a Henrik Sedin. Well, like, so he wasn't a pointer bust, but in terms of the shots, not in terms of the... And you are the first person to ever compare Robert Thomas to Henrik Sedin. <laughs> one day, one day they'll be in the same conversation. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, here it was. So uh, in the chat, you were talking about uh, joking, is Scott Darling ranked? He's actually, he is ranked, even though there's no chance he's going to play. He's ranked 528, which puts him ahead of this other goalie <laughs> I'm going to mention. Uh, down at 625 is a goalie that I'm pretty sure is going to be a backup and potentially get significant starts. And that's Marcus Hogberg over on Ottawa. Like, news is coming out that Andres Nilsson is still dealing with his concussion issues. It's not looking like he's going to be there, which means it's going to be Murray and Hogberg to start the year. And, I mean, just no, I don't want to throw any bad juju out there, but Matt Murray has not exactly been a pillar of health over the last few seasons. So there's always the chance that you grab Hogberg and, you know, some bad luck happens. Next thing you know, you have a starting goalie. Yes, it's a starting goalie on Ottawa, but, you know, good opportunity for saves. And Hogberg, was, you know, was good last year when he played. Like, even though he was on a similarly bad Ottawa team, he, he stood pretty tall and had a decent enough save percentage. So, I mean, definitely when you're comparing Scott Darling to Marcus Hogberg, it's no question. I think also most of the goal, Like, I think Hogberg is someone, I don't know if I'm going to draft in the cupful, but he'd be someone that would be on my watch list. Especially I'd be watching if Murray gets injured. Like, I don't know. It's like obviously not a high upside guy, but it was just funny to see him below Scott Darling. Yeah, it's a pretty deep cut. Uh, he's heading into his 26th season. Last year, he saw 24 games, which is like by far the most action he's ever seen. You, I don't know, Elon. I feel like you sort of overrepresented his save percentage. It was 904. Uh, quality start percentage was under 50%. So, those numbers aren't great, but yeah, I guess if you're desperate for a start and saves help you and goals against aren't going to punish you a whole lot. Like if you're, if you're planning on punting, save percentage and wins and just focusing on saves, uh, the second Mar- Matt Murray gets injured or looks like he needs a break, uh, then for sure, Hogberg's great. I just wouldn't get too excited about him. Also, there is some internal competition for, uh, like, I, I think Hogberg is going to be the guy, but there's still some other uh, goalies in Ottawa's system who may or may not get a look. Yeah, I know there's, like, Joey Decord, who I also have in my Dynasty League as a super late pick, but I think he's, like, more in the future. I don't think—I think next year it's pretty safe to bet on Hogberg starting the season as the backup. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, he wasn't great. I be, I'll bet you if you looked into, like, how he did compared to his protection, you know, all these advanced stats that you like into for goalies, I'm sure Hogberg did better, but that doesn't help you in fantasy anyway. Yeah, I don't think—I think, I think he still did not do great by that measure. I can look oh. it up anyway. No, don't want. worry about it. Let's move on. I got three more guys for you. Over at 700, someone I've already talked about. I think you've kind of poo-pooed, but I think even you won't poo-poo him at 700th. Uh, Emil Bemstrom on Columbus. Come on, there's room in the top six, as we've discussed. He could end up on the line with Max Domi. Uh, he had 17 points in 16 games in Liga this year before heading back to North America. So he's hot. He's, like, coming in. I think he, I think he's going to land in the top six. I think he's... You know, I don't know if he's going to be, like, more than, like, a 50-point guy, but... That's cr- uh, he He's good. I, yeah. He's someone that definitely would be on my watch list. He definitely qualifies as, like... Yahoo seems to have this weird habit of, you know, the first 200 players or whatever you all know you're familiar with, you might bet. 
you might want to draft. And then like there's a big chunk from like 300 to 600 that largely are players who might not even see a minute of play. And then down buried at the bottom are players like Bemstrom, who seem to have a decent shot at playing and you would actually want to give a shot on your roster. So good on you for digging him up and finding him there, Elon. I know you're really high on him. I'll echo my concerns uh, that were similar to Bjorkstrand, a player in Columbus, has to deal with a defensive system and a temperamental coach. But I am at least interested in seeing what Bemstrom has to offer. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like really high on him, but he's someone that's I'm watching. I'm right. interested. Like if you scroll down to the bottom of your Yahoo rankings, there are still players like if you're in a deep enough league, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll take him ahead of the 400 players who are ranked above. Yeah, I don't know if I would have brought him up uh, like at the end of last year, but obviously these 17 points in 16 games in the most recent professional hockey action that we've been seeing is noticeable. Similar to actually a guy way down at 1573, uh, Miko Letnin, who some Leafs fans know his name. If people don't, I think we've mentioned him on the podcast before. He's going to be in the NHL this season with the Leafs. He's been in the KHL before. Uh, 17 points in 17 games with Joker at this season in the KHL. 49 points in 60 games last season. Uh, I'm not saying Brian don't start telling me that I'm saying that he's going to overtake Morgan Riley for the top power, but I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, think there's like, there's like, I said there's like a potential chance just because Morgan Riley got bumped before from the top power play, so theoretically it could happen again, and Miko Letton is an offensive defenseman. But even if he doesn't, uh, he's someone that obviously Yahoo has no faith in because he's down at 1573. I don't even know. I didn't realize they went that far. Uh, so, you know, he's probably, I think he could be good for like 30, 40 points. Could be like in a deep, deep league. Like he'll be a serviceable defenseman. I think he'll be on a lot of rosters next year, depending on how deep the leagues are. So, and, and I'll throw out another defenseman who's not that far, but still too crazy far. Adam Boakvist is at 813. He's like also a high draft pick. Like such disrespect from Yahoo to put Adam Boakvist at 813. Uh, patrons projected him for 35. He's got clear top power play upside on Chicago. So unlike Lettinen, who has to compete with Morgan Riley, Adam Boakvist just has to bump Duncan Keith, who at one point that would have been impossible, but now it's likely he did it even for stretches last season. So those are two defensemen if you really want to wait all the way to the end uh, and then scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll, then you'll see Boakvist and Lettinen who are both going to be NHL defensemen next year. Yeah, and that's reason enough to have them on your draft list. And they both make really good lottery tickets that are the kinds of swings that you would take with your very last picks that can turn out to be a lot of fun. Or like we've said a bunch of times, you just drop and move on from if they're not panning out. Okay, so Brian, there we go. I just threw like 50 players at you. Uh, Adam is throwing out Bowen Byram there. Okay, uh, last minute. Let me see where Byram is ranked. Byram is ranked uh, 340. So there you go. There might be some good value there. Another guy you could take potentially as a late pick. And if he makes... The Colorado's so stacked on D, obviously. So it's like it's hard to imagine in his rookie season, he gets like a ton of ice time without like some injuries happening there. Like Devontae's, Eric Johnson, like Graves, like are all ahead of him, including obviously Kale McCarr. Uh, so anyway, Ian Cole. Uh, but he's someone I would take. I'd probably take Lettinen and Boakvist over Bowen Byram, not in for their careers, but like just for next season, I'm saying. So anyways, who cares? Who knows? Uh, okay, this has been a blast, Brian, going through all of these players. Uh, hopefully this has been useful to people who will be drafting on Yahoo. And yeah, just go and add all the players to your watch list that we mentioned on this show to make sure you don't miss them, even though they're super far down in Yahoo's rankings farther than we think they should be. So yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear from you. This is a show we do every year that I'm always really excited about, so I'd love to hear feedback about it and let me know if you were as excited about it as uh, we were to put it on. So, at Keeping Carlson on Twitter. Um, obviously, the patrons were having a blast over in the Discord channel. I want to thank so much the patrons for all your support over the summer and leading into the season and the people participating in the Cupful. Hope you're having fun in your slow drafts. 
if you are like signed up for the cacuffle and you didn't realize that your draft has started, it has. And you've been oh, yeah. auto-picking. Like, there's a couple people who who may not have noticed yet, so uh, make sure to get in there. <laughs> if you haven't started drafting, just so you know, uh, yeah, things have really taken off without you. At the time of recording, uh, 641 picks had been made in Cuckoo drafts. Average pick was at the 34th overall, so that would be uh, just starting the third round. Uh, almost everyone had completed the first round except poor Tier 5 William, who are just getting uh, behind the eight ball with people who aren't on top of their draft, at least to start. We'll fix it. And over half the divisions have already completed round two. So things are off and running. If you are a cupful manager and you're not a part of this, uh, we'll be in touch if we haven't already. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, Tier 5 William has gotten into the second round. Yes. Someone just picked John Carlson. Sean picked John Carlson, sixth overall in the second round. Uh, also, if you're in the cupful but you're not on Discord, get get in there because you've got a league chat that we've set up just and everyone's talking and people are like tagging each other when it's their picks and they're, it's fun. Right? Like, trust me, get on. You're probably thinking, oh, like if you're not on Discord right now, you're thinking, oh, like, I don't want to get another app. Like, it's too many chat apps. Like, trust me, we're having fun. Download the app, sync up. If you're a patron, it's really easy to sync up. Message me if you have a problem or Brian, and uh, yeah, get in there. But okay, if you're not a patron, you want to get in our Discord, even if you're not playing in the Cupful. It's still super fun to be a patron, right? We're chatting all the time, giving each other advice. Plus, we try to give other perks to people who sign up to and support the show. Like, we have our monthly patron cast. Uh, we share show notes. I'm going to share some, the notes from today's show. Uh, so, if you're interested, uh, giving us a little bit of support, five bucks a month gets you all the perks we can give you. Uh, KeepingCarlson.com slash patron. But with that, Brian, I am done. Let's cue the outro music. And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. Logo art by Brandon Weeb, outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cat Friendly, Charting Hockey, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, and Hockey Database. Oh, and Roto World. <laughs> Great job, as always. Brian, this was so fun. Uh, looking forward to doing this all again next week. We're either going to be doing more goalies board next week or we're going to be doing an interview. So just a little hint of what's coming. Wow, I can't wait to find out. I'm sure you'll tell me at some point. Until then, remember, as the cupful proves, fantasy hockey is for everyone.